Welcome to the Spiritual Underground Podcast. This is Dan coming to you from the studios at DTM Enterprises out here in the wood shop in my backyard. So speaking of that, uh, go to dtmww.net. That's my little handyman woodworking business. I probably need to update that and get a little more handyman on the on the on the uh, on the website. But uh, I really want to move into this woodworking thing. It seems like uh, the universe is doing that through the handyman business. I get to run around and give out my business cards to people all over town that I work with, and uh, generates a little business here in the shop, which has been uh, increasing over time. Grateful for that. Uh, Twelve Step Spiritual Recovery is a book by James Christopher Cohn. You can find that on Amazon. It is the great compendium, the magnum opus of the 12 steps. It's a deep dive, uh, a lot of uh, theory in it, and, uh, and, and a lot of manual type of information in there exactly how to do this work. Uh, very much an optimized way of doing it. There are many ways to do the 12 steps. All of them work. Uh, this is a very good one and one that you hear most of my guests have had some variation of uh what's the other thing spiritualunderground.org has show notes pictures of the guests contact me pages on all those places if you want to hook up with me and uh maybe if you want to be a guest on the podcast or have any feedback i'm open to that i love feedback from you guys i thank you for what i have been getting and finally darren frank's music is wrapped around this podcast he's doing good uh been seeing a bit of darren here lately so that is cool so uh we're here on a sunday morning i like to do podcasts on sunday morning i don't really know why but i like that when people choose to come over relatively early on a sunday um got two guys in here uh it's gonna be kind of funny because they're both named john but mentally i keep them separated because they're spelled different (laughs) it's funny how that's i even have it in here on i label the tracks and whose microphone is what and uh and had them backwards for a minute this morning uh so, um, you guys are just going to have to figure it out, but, uh, uh, John B here is my primary guest. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. How are you? I am awesome this morning. I'm all juiced up. Good deal. Uh, and, and John C, and we won't worry about that as we go through, but I'll just do that in the beginning, is John's sponsor, correct? Correct. Okay. I was like, I was wondering if that was still, I assumed that was still intact. How's it going, John? It's going well. How are you? Good. You had a little bump in the road on the way here this morning? Yeah, I turned down the wrong street and uh, tried to whip around and hit a <laughs> hit a fire hydrant. Yeah, and right. the bad thing about that was I was in my brother's car. So. Yeah. But that's okay. Everything's good now. Put yeah. that behind us. and See the little white Honda? Did you know that story? Did you hear that? The white Honda CRV. It's parked. It's parked in the top I of the. Oh, you not. hit it. That's that's Dustin's new car. He just turned sixteen. My son, ah. and we park. I usually park it about halfway down the driveway, and I can I can actually get out of the driveway I did and get hear around that. it. Yeah. And one night I was uh, jumped in. I was taking Carissa and her boyfriend, my daughter and her boyfriend, home, or taking the boyfriend home, and Carissa was riding with me, and um, and I backed right into this son of a bitch, and I. <laughs> <laughs> smashed it up and so like i think it was thanksgiving day dad and i, I sat underneath the car that. man and we had the parts we had new bumper new headlight lenses and everything and we had to do some body work and straighten out some parts and we got it all back together it looks better than it did when we got it now uh also grateful that i'm able to do that work because uh otherwise it had been an expensive little endeavor everybody talks about all that plastic on them cars you know but you'll they'll ship that shit to you through amazon we got a bumper for it. really through, through amazon yeah come yeah. in the mail wow. man and the whole front wrap bumper 
you know, it's just a wrap, right? It's just that big plastic piece. But, yeah, all that stuff come through there and uh, went out there and turned wrenches like with Dad like I've been doing all my life. And uh, it's a trip to look down there. I just have a wave of gratitude and, and a lot of, I don't know, uh, really cool feelings when I'm standing there and I look and Dad's laying. My 82-year-old daughter's d- dad is laying underneath of the car. Uh, That's truly amazing. Turning a wrench. That's mm-hmm. uh, fun. So cool. We'll get going here. Um, yeah, I'm, I met you early in my trip. Uh, I was back again mm-hmm. uh, at this at at this meeting here. What what, what I would have once called my New Albany, my Indiana home group. Uh, it's changed locations, and that means, for my understanding, is uh, it's not fitting in my schedule. First off, uh, because the TSSR. And they change nights and change locations. And I don't know, I've seen that happen a couple times when a meeting changes. Uh, it really takes a hit on attendance when, mm-hmm. when you do that. Yes, it does. And, uh, and actually, one of the meetings that we had in common uh, folded up completely mm-hmm. after, a, after a move. Right. Uh, it's, it's an interesting dynamic that that does that, that a change of location does that. Uh, but we met there and uh, instantly was attracted to you. you I heard you share and, and, and your quizzical nature was what really caught me because mm-hmm. you didn't have no problem coming up and like to, to do you didn't know and start asking questions and I was like wow that's kind of cool you know and, and actually I've taken that on myself some of that has bled into me today where I have a openness that I may credit to your openness mm-hmm. of going up to somebody and just asking a damn question that you know you may not you know, uh, uh, in the past I wouldn't have had the guts to ask well I don't know if you remember uh, why I came up to you but when you were sharing, you had mentioned the word juice. That's right. And and not a lot of people that. know that, from especially from this side of the river at the time. Yeah. And uh, so that's why I approached yep, you. I do, I do remember that you said to me something like, uh, where'd you get that word? Yeah. <laughs> and I told you, and you were like, good. So, yeah. And then, yeah, uh, we had some mutual mutual friends. Yeah, and a relationship uh, bloomed in that, yeah. from, from that. And, uh, man, it's just uh, another blessing of what this uh, program and fellowship has done for me is it's just gave me just like just a phenomenal batch of good friends man mm-hmm. it's uh it, I, I my eyes fog up when i talk about it yeah uh, it touches me that deeply that uh that that that, that i've been placed here to do this mm-hmm. uh that was cool so we'll start out with a very important thing what's your sobriety date uh, my sobriety date is january 18th 2014 so it's coming up here in mm-hmm. just a minute. So that'll make six. Six years. In a few couple yeah. of weeks. Next week? Hell, I don't um, know. Something like that. I think, a, I think it's a week from tomorrow. Uh, I think the 18th is a Friday, isn't it? Oh, no. It's yeah. a week from Friday. Yeah, it yeah. is a Friday. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just, it's it's really crazy that it's coming up on six years because. Yeah, we share just, sobriety birthday months. Yeah. So we've celebrated a couple times together. and. Yeah. I remember when going a day what just seemed impossible and now that it's six years it's just like it's still it's still kind of mind-blowing really i'm just it's a a day that i'm forever be grateful for yeah that's why it's more important my birthday today and uh as we were talking before if i ask somebody what their sobriety date is and uh and they have trouble pulling it out of their hat i do have to question if they really have one uh, now I do. I, mine. I do get it mixed up sometimes. Uh, sometimes I'll say the 17th. Sometimes I'll say the 18th. But it's because my wedding. 
I got married on the 17th. Yeah, you got another important and date. And so I, sometimes I confuse the two, and my wife's yeah. always quick to remind me. Yeah, yeah, you got a, you got that uh, two dates anchored mm-hmm. real close together like that. Uh, yeah, that would uh, that cause it. You know, I had a guest the other day said, you know, his sobriety date was March the 14th or 15th. He ain't sure. <laughs> <laughs> It was 20-something years ago, and yeah. he was uh, in a really bad shape. And uh, at the moment, he said, you know, I didn't intend to get sober that day. It wasn't like I was. <laughs> didn't intend to get sober that day. I love that. <laughs> he was a really good guest. I had a great time with him. I could have sit here. It went over two hours, and I was watching it. And if he was going to go four, I was going to sit here and talk to him. Yeah. Uh, and I'll make That's it two episodes, good. man. Yeah, you don't uh, care about time. Yeah. I was like, well, I don't have anything to do today. I, uh, my daughter was texting me wanting to do something. I was like, well, it might be a little bit. Uh they will text me from inside the house. Me, matter of fact, I need to put my recording in uh, in process. Although my dad knows uh, that that I'm out here doing podcasts like this. Oh, you have a sign out there? No, I got a little sign in the window. It's taped up at the top, oh, and I just cool. hang it in the window, just recording in process, just in nice. case uh, somebody comes blasting out here, like during the fire. You know, uh, did you hear that one? Mm-mm. And I, uh, it seems a little rerunnish, but I had a guy in here a couple of weeks ago on Wednesday night, and my son come blasting out, and I saw him, and all of a sudden there's a face in the door, and I can see my son is panicked. <laughs> and he opens up the door, and he says, there's a fire in the basement, or there's smoke in the basement. No, he says, there's a fire in the basement, and you can hear it on the podcast if you listen close. Uh, at the tail end, I left it on there. You can hear it. And uh, and me and this dude, and I had not known this dude. I, somebody else hooked me up with this guest. I met him in my driveway for the first time. I had no idea who he was. He had no idea who I was. And we both blasted, and that man ran into what could have been a house on fire with me. Wow. And it didn't dawn on me until I got back here and sat down that this dude I just barely knew just walked into, like I said, you know. And he'd had a fire in the basement in the past. It burned up through the first floor and shit when he wow. was a kid. So, like, uh, he could r- relate to a fire in the basement. What and was the problem? My, I have a big old compressor in the basement. It's a real old-fashioned one with a motor and a great big flywheel. And something happened to the belt. And I'm not sure because the, the motor and the, the compressor are both free. I thought one of them locked up, and I haven't been down there. To, it's, it's been a couple of weeks. I still haven't fixed it. But something happened. It smoked a belt. Ah. And so it sit down there and spun on a belt. And, I mean, okay. you can't believe it. I walked out. When we went down in the basement, you could not see the bottom of the steps. I mean, it was a cloud of complete, even when I flipped on the lights, it was a cloud of complete. Uh, smoke and smoke. Yeah. yeah. And he, we got, we went in like a SWAT team. I mean, down the steps, he went one way, I went the other way. He's going, I don't see anything. Cause you know, you'd think, and I was mentally thinking that I should see flames and hear fire. You know what I mean? With this amount of smoke, I should hear in, in uh, I gotta forget to do not disturb my telephone, uh, and didn't, and we narrowed it down to, and I looked over there and saw that belt all smoky and hot, and you can almost feel the heat off of it, but anyway, that was an exciting podcast episode in the middle, mm-hmm. uh, I don't even know how I got there, something about an interruption, I don't know, did you say something? Mm, oh, the re- we were talking about the recording. Uh, the uh, and you, Oh, yeah, the sign. The sign, yeah, yeah. Which I will put up. So you can keep on talking. Uh, say something. Well, I'll say something. Uh, my sobriety date, uh, it's easy for me to say because I always went 2210 because it kind of flowed easily. Yeah. But in all reality, it would be February the 2nd of 2010. And uh, 
So not too terribly so far damn. from John's. I'll be hitting 10, 10 years. years. And uh, now when I think about a decade of sobriety, it really truly does amaze me. Yeah. It really does. Uh, I remember hitting five very vividly. And I remember Chris saying that uh, uh, the author of TSSR, he was also my counselor. I remember him telling me that long-term recovery is measured at five years. And uh, I thought, hmm. holy crap, you know, to me, long-term sobriety is one day, yeah. two days. And I remember hitting the five years was a big deal to me because I felt like then that I had maintained long-term sobriety, long-term recovery. And, uh, and I swear it seemed like it was yesterday. Yeah, it does. Here it is, mm-hmm. you know, almost, you know, 10. That was five years ago and 10 years overall. So, um, yeah, two two ten. I don't think I've ever been asked. I forgot it. But, um, yeah, and it doesn't really correspond with any other thing like your wedding um, for me. So it's pretty easy. Yeah, so I was talking, you know, I don't know why, but I like to do that. Is that uh, my first recollection of you is doing treasurer at the Broad Highway meeting. Mm-hmm. That's correct. And, uh, and, and you did it in a way that was a little fun you know you heard you and 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 it wasn't just the dry or uh you know i'd heard them reports in other meetings and stuff once in a while you know but uh so you caught my attention real quick and it's interesting to watch that you know like that would be the thing that would be going hmm look at that dude let's see something i like over there and uh and then you know as time went with the mutual friends and kind of things uh we ended up i think the bigger connection was was uh when you came down we went to the Indiana State Convention? Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. Went to Indiana State Convention. <clears throat> is when I got to really know you, I yeah. think, was yeah. over, over that weekend. That was the first cabin. thing we yeah. did at the cabin. That right. was like the inaugural event of uh, recovery event that kind of cha- started changing the, the energy down there. Yes. That was a cool weekend. Yeah, and I remember being, you know, nervous about it. You know, I always have like, will anybody come? Will anybody want? Nobody want to do this. You know, and, uh, and then there we had half a dozen dudes and and then you like kind of popped in right i mean yeah you, you not really planned and i came i came later or tentative uh, or something yeah. of uh coming down and yeah i think you met us there i did i did meet you all i met you at the convention then followed you back to right uh, to uh, the the fargo club yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that so was a that fun was, weekend that was and you know they're getting ready uh this year in uh i think it's in april the indiana state convention is going to be in french lick again nice so i liked I'm, it there i'm thinking about uh doing it again yeah for sure and uh seeing some people want to come down stay at the cabin and uh screw around and people uh you know i even think you know it's easy enough to get there so you know people could come and go as they please you know we wouldn't you know we could caravan kind of and we could still do that too but mm-hmm. you know because we kind of ended up you know i think at the end there we was like we were hanging around the cabin and uh <laughs> go back to the convention we yeah. was having such a good time that was a fun weekend mm-hmm. uh, those things uh those are those uh like miracle type of things in my life that like just magically happened that became an event that's be forever anchored in my in my mind and in my recovery you know that i had no idea that that was you know i certainly I, you know I, and i still like don't feel like i can take like credit for it you know because i feel more like it happened organically then something I, I had like a plan, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny that we're talking about that, that weekend, because that's when I met Don H and, uh, my phone yesterday when I was at work, you know, I, I'm real big on putting dates in my phone, which makes me feel bad because I didn't have yours in there, Dan, but I do now. <laughs> um, so I won't forget it again. Um, and Don H's birthday was yesterday and I sent him a text you know, telling him congratulations. Yeah, right. And and I have not literally texted him or, or seen or talked to him 
and probably maybe a year, year and a half. And you know, now uh, we're going to meet for lunch probably one day next week. Oh, that's and cool. um, and of course, I met him that weekend. Yep, he was up there. Yep. So I mean, it's funny how uh, you can reconnect real quick with one of us and uh, even though some time's gone by and I wouldn't even know him had I not met him up there yeah that weekend yeah yeah I just did some uh handyman work for him uh for his mom is in a facility over there in Clarksville and she needed a little uh, some sprucing up in uh in the place and went over and helped him do that so uh just seen him just not too long ago good yeah, I guess. And now, in fact, well. when you said that, now I realize it because it just totally, you know, my mind went a completely different direction for a minute because I have a current sponsee right now named Don H. Oh, okay. And, All uh, right. <laughs> yeah, well, and, okay. And now I, you know who I'm talking and, about. Yeah, okay. and it took me a minute to like get to track, and I was like, oh yeah, because Donnie is what I call him. Okay, Donnie. Uh, and uh, the new, you know, Don. The we had a nickname that we gave him. Yeah, that weekend. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't remember what it was. You're gonna have to remind me afterwards. Yeah, I'll no, we did it out. I mean, we. It was big dick, remember? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how we got how he got it. I don't, I don't remember how he got it either, but it, it was, was big dick. organic things, man. It was, <laughs> we had a lot of laughs over I that. mean, I can remember yeah. a year later saying, introducing Carrie to him and yeah. introducing him as big dick. <laughs> and her later being like, what the <laughs> hell? <laughs> I totally forgot about that. That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. That, I had forgotten about it too. That is so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Donnie's a good dude. That's like what uh, he's way up there. What? Yeah, I don't know how many years I just had. That it was his birthday, and so I just sent him a text and told him, yeah, you man, know, no, congratulations, I, happy birthday, and we need to do lunch. And he said, it, yeah. Hey, and also 14, uh, 14. happy birthday to you, Dan. Well, thank yes. you. Just man, celebrated definitely. five years yeah, on five the years on the first. The first of the year. Yeah, and uh, happy birthday to Tony Killen. Yeah, today is, is his today. birthday. Yep. And do uh, you all remember Adam Fackler? I do not. I said a last name. So did, that's all right. So did John. That's okay. <laughs> oh, <that's> shoot. <laughs> uh, Tony's been on the podcast twice, so yeah. uh, I don't think he's too concerned about his uh, I anonymity doubt he is a whole either. lot either. Uh, but Adam is six. He's come around Spiritual Underground for a while and then moved away. Uh, his birthday, because I remember celebrating with him. Like, you know, he's a year, got a year more than me. And uh, I, you know, my phone is full of. Uh, I don't have your real birthday in my phone. I have your sobriety date. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, like it says, so and so six birthday you know and fifth birthday and and that kind of thing january we got spiritual underground has got i think 14 ones coming up this year if everybody wow, makes incredible. it incredible last year we had like 11 the year before it was 12 and we're in the, the even cooler thing is those ones turned into twos almost all of them that's awesome and uh yeah so i got these three number ones sitting here on the table that are for january and I fully expect every one of those guys to make it because I've watched them do the do the work. Yeah, you know. And uh, be honest with you, uh, January and February there's a huge birthday month at Spiritual Underground. I yeah. just remember both those months being a lot of uh, individuals getting up there and and uh, getting uh, some some new one years and getting some long term sobriety. Uh, yeah, you know, when uh, one of the things that's kind of special in my heart, you know, now and I like that the meeting has gotten to be. Uh, uh, I like how many lives are being changed by it. Let's say that. Uh, I I have a little bit of a mixed feelings about how big it's getting because I like the intimacy of before, uh, but you know uh, I'm not in control. So that's a, and that's a really good thing. Uh, but we have a whole lot of birthdays now every month. I mean, like one month I think we got twelve. I think it's October. Wow. We had we bumped the meeting in October to hour and a half last year and moved it to another room. 
you almost have to because you get up there with 12 people and you realize that there's just no way that everyone can speak and you can't have family members speak that it's really important for them yeah and and on top of that i mean just uh the blessing and the juice that flows during that yep. you don't want to miss it yep right yep and uh you don't want to rush it yeah uh so the the event the thing i was talking we got started with was that when i celebrated one year at the spiritual underground i was the only guy that had a january birthday so i got all that love all <laughs> to myself yeah uh and and that was a really uh special night to me to because that's you know i mean that that just changed the entire trajectory of my life was meeting up with those dudes in that group and and doing that and uh and you know, golly i just you know there's no way i can put words to the depth that that is in my heart but we could sit around here and maybe we ought to come back and do one where we just jack around all day uh john i want to get you on did have you you need to schedule okay uh remind me i got a little thing in my phone where i have openings and, and i can be flexible too but i like to do them on sundays and wednesday nights okay um those are my kind of the days i try to record i can do others too i had a guy the other day that i wanted he said and he said I, met, I saw him at the yoga studio and I said, Why don't you come on? And he said, Yeah, I will. So he's beating it around. He said, Any chance we could do it like one morning after yoga? Because we go to 6 o'clock a.m. yoga. And uh, I'm like, Yeah, we could do that. We're all sweaty and stuff. And, <laughs> but uh, that'd, be, that'd be cool. So, John, John B., uh, today is your day. So we're going to have a. Uh, John tell his story today and uh well like we always do uh we do this in like a conversational kind of thing rather than a monologue kind of thing so uh you know you've listened to the podcasts and know that uh, I like to go back and get to the beginning mm-hmm. and how we grew up and family system stuff and move on down the pike okay so uh <clears throat> you know I um my parents divorced at an early age um, I was probably five or six, and uh, I don't really remember them being together. I can, uh, as I've gotten sober, I can, you know, things come to you, and I, I can remember uh, them fighting a lot when they were together. Oh, yeah? Um, actually, I can remember them fighting a lot when uh, they weren't together they as weren't. well. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I, I didn't really ever see my parents get along much. Uh, so, you know, I'm sure that caused a lot of stress, you know, early on. Were you in, born here? You're local? You yeah. Born, born here in, in the Louisville area. Yeah. Were you and, born in Jeff or did you all live in? Uh, I was actually born, uh, and I know this because my oldest daughter was uh, getting, she's getting her passport. She's going to Australia this summer. Oh, and, super cool. And so she texted me yesterday and asked me where I was born. Uh, to, the actual hospital? Uh, yeah. And so I had to pull up my birth certificate yeah. and find out I was born at uh, Norton's Children's oh, downtown really? Louisville. Yeah, yeah, but I grew up in Jeff. But they lived here. You were born yeah. in Louisville. Yeah. I, so I lived here, or when you lived here. And my parents lived in New Albany, but we born. both of my kids were born in Louisville, too. So, um, so yeah, like I said, uh, you know, the times with my my parents uh together not together they they really never got along so i'm sure that did cause a lot of stress for me and my sister growing up i would call it trauma today yeah yeah probably because i think that's what the a lot of uh, if i listen to these stories over and over again i I hear these 
like you said, stressful, these traumatic mm-hmm. kind of issues that a kid has to deal with. Yeah. And it's a common theme. Yeah. And, you know, I can remember at a really early age uh, just having a lot of fear. Um, I can remember one time, I, and I don't know why I remember this, um, but I was out in my front yard playing. And for I don't know if maybe somebody said something, but just the thought of the devil came to my mind. Hmm. And, and, I, and I was picturing burning in hell. And I remember just going inside and, and sitting on the couch crying. I'm outside playing with friends, and all of a sudden this comes to my mind, and I remember going inside crying, wow. scared to death. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you shouldn't. As a kid, you don't think about having that kind of fear. Yeah, uh, and it makes me wonder where that came from at such an early age. Um, so uh, taught it to you. Yeah, I'm sure. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you well, you know, I went to Catholic school all my life. Yeah, uh, yeah they're good to teach. And so that. they they threw they threw. Uh, you know, they were really, you know how Catholic schools are. Yes, and it, yeah. it, it, I know it's it, a little bit of a joke, I say, but, you know, they do. That's Yeah. And it's I developed a lot of resentment fear and damnation. Um, over uh, God. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I came into this program, I'll get into a little later, uh, I had a lot of resentments about God when I when I first, you know, came around. Yeah, another bell ringer. But, um, but yeah, I'd say from, a, you know, looking back, um, you know, from doing the work that um, – I've come to realize that I had an alcoholic mind very early on. Um, you know, I have a disease of more, and anything that makes me feel good uh, or gives me a chance to escape, uh, then I, I'd take full advantage of it. Um, I can remember uh, at an early age, uh, food. I remember food being biggest one, mm-hmm. um, just always sneaking you know, food and couldn't get enough of food. And I remember sitting at the dinner table uh, and I'd scarf down my food. And I remember I'd be watching everybody else, seeing, you know, if they're going to have some leftovers. And if there was leftovers, you, you guarantee that I was, I'm putting it down. Uh, you cleaned your plate and there's Oh, too. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was never enough. And mm. I, I remember my sister was in Girl Scouts and I can remember, uh, Stealing the Girl Scout cookies oh, really? that were supposed to be delivered to people and uh, going up in my closet and eating Girl Scout cookies and then completely lying about it. I don't know. And yeah, I don't know what happened what to them. I don't know what happened to those thin men. And so, um, so yeah, uh, and with Did eating that all that. Did that show up in you physically? Did you, was you getting fat? Yeah, so that's where I was just getting ready to go. So, you know, uh, I gained some weight and I developed a complex very early on. Uh, I remember having to go, my mom taking me shopping and have to go to the Husky section. And I remember thinking to myself, like, why does everyone else get to shop in the regular section? I have to go to the Husky section. And, I, and you know, I got made fun of it uh, at, at, school, <clears throat> at school. And um, I remember making excuses not going to parties, um, like swim parties, you know, uh, um, because I didn't want to have to take my shirt off. Um, so, and that's carried on with me, you know, my whole life. I've always been, had a complex about my weight. Uh, and I, and I do, you know, kind of fluctuate my weight, um, even today. Um, so yeah, I'd say very, from a very early age, uh, food, you know, was a big thing. My weight was a big thing. Um, then, you know, I realized, you know, when I was in elementary school that um, I always kind of never really felt like I um, fit in. I always had a lot of friends, 
but even in a room full of people, I still didn't feel like I, I fit in. And so I would have to find ways to, to make people to like me because I didn't feel like people would just like me for me. So I would have to make fun of you or I'd have to make fun of you um, to have so to make people laugh and feel accepted, you know, by the group and then put, you know, the one individual down to make me feel better about myself. Yeah. Um, basically, essentially, it was bullying. Really? Yeah, really. And so um, so I figured out uh, from an early age that, you know, I could do that. Um, and, and that carried on with me until, until high school. Um, I learned at an early age uh, how to manipulate uh, people and get what I wanted. And it all pr- pretty much started um, with my parents. You know, uh, my parents were divorced, and I would spend – about half the time with my dad and half the time with my mom. And uh, if dad didn't give me something that I wanted, I could work my mom and get what I wanted and mm-hmm. vice versa. And I would kind of manipulate them to, you know, against each other. Right. And um, Yeah, because like uh, dad would like to get some points for giving you something mom right. won't give you. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And vice versa. And and if, if neither one of them would cave, then I knew I could call my grandma. Okay. And, uh, you know, my family, uh, you know, uh, I know they were, you know, trying their best, but they're, they were my biggest enablers, uh, all you know, from an early age. Yeah. Um, and, you know, now that I'm a parent, I mean, I can imagine uh, it being, you know, really hard as a parent because, you know, you don't want to disappoint your children. Mm-hmm. Um and you want to give them more. Yeah, you wanna, exactly. You know, want and, to give them more. And yeah. there's this, uh, this like this, like I feel like I fall short if I'm not like, if I have to tell them no on something, you know, right. if they want something, you know, I, I have this automatic uh, thing where if I, if for whatever reason I can't do it, uh, it, it hits my ego. It hits my We still suffer from, you know, people pleasing, you yeah. know, and we don't like to say the word no and yeah. You know, you talked about it, you know, having an alcoholic mind young, you know, uh, I, I look at it as also just being spiritually sick when we're young and mm-hmm. we learn that, yep. you know, Our your parents got stepped on. Yeah. Your parents and... were spiritually sick, mm-hmm. you know, and then that's, and, and that was taught to you. And, and that's why we learn early on, you know, how to survive by manipulating to get the things we feel like we have to have. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, but yeah. And I'm not okay, so I need these other things yeah. because I think they're going to make me okay. They're going to make right. me feel better. Mm-hmm. That's going to make me feel better. Yeah. And, you know, whether it be food or whether it be whatever. Consumerism, you know. just yeah. the new toy, the new yeah. gadget, the new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we spend, you know, that's, you know, the TSSR book is exactly about spiritual recovery, you know, and that's what a lot of people are. They're spiritually sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as you just go stepping through that stuff, you know, those are all those introductory chapters mm-hmm. of like yeah. these faulty religious teachings. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. exactly. And our peer groups getting yeah. to messing with us. And, yeah. you know, obviously I like the way Bob Earl says the original dynamic duo our parents exactly, uh, and, mm-hmm. and how all that stuff ends up invading our true selves. And we don't, you know, in fact, you know, like I said, my favorite definition of recovery is uh, uh, to reclaim that which was lost or stolen and or stolen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we lose some of it and some of it flat out got took from us. Yeah. Right. I agree. So, yeah. So, you know, uh, I always had this, this void, you know, that I was always trying to fill and, um, I was always looking for something, the next best thing, um, 
And so, um, you know, if it wasn't food and it wasn't bullying, um, then it, it was girls. I found out um, that the opposite sex could make me feel really good. Um, and, um, you know, I have a history of, of not treating um, the opposite sex uh, like they deserve and um, basically used a lot of them. Um, and so um, that's just another example of me uh, in that alcoholic mind uh, just trying to fill a void inside of me um, that never seemed to work. Uh, so, uh, you know, I haven't mentioned anything about alcohol or drugs. Um, that's because, um, I had, um, I had some uncles that were alcoholics and I can remember from a very early age, uh, seeing their behavior and scared me, uh, made me not want to, to drink or, or do drugs or, uh, put anything bad in my body. Um, so, you know, all through uh, middle school or elementary school, middle school, high school, I, I didn't I didn't drink. I didn't smoke, um, which is pretty rare. You know, really, when you, you know, around the program, you most most people, it sounds like it's getting started early on. Yeah. But if I was going to knock you on know, here, sit, get here, sit here and listen to these stories and uh, honor to do that. And in uh, 14 seems to be the number. Yeah, is repeated over and over and over again. That's my number two, approximately. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, if I, I guess that'd be you know freshman year of high school. Yeah, I was I was I remember being in seventh and eighth grade, so maybe I was a little earlier. That's. Uh, but you know, like, uh, I you know I keep talking about that alcoholic mind. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of the things that I mentioned are were negative things, uh, but it could also uh, for me uh, it, it makes me a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I excelled in baseball growing up and it's, um, you know, I, um, I, I started, I found out I was pretty good at it. And so I would work extra hard at it. It it, kind of helped me in a way, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, I had a chance to play, uh, in college uh, that I, I did not take, but, um, so once I got into high school, I focused a lot on, on baseball and, uh, came, I had some close, close, um, friends, uh, from it. And, um, we were all close and, uh, none of us really got in any, any trouble. And, um, I can remember being at my, my senior prom party and being the only person there that wasn't drinking or smoking. Mm. And, and, and I remember being really proud of that. Yeah. And, um, and so, um, I graduated high school, went off to IUS and, uh, and I didn't really want, I didn't really, college wasn't my thing. I I just was not, was not disciplined enough to, you know, go to class. Yeah. You know, you didn't have to go to class. IUS is our local Indiana University, Southeast, uh, campus here down New Albany. So, um, the, I'm pretty sure it was a summer after I graduated high school, me and a group of buddies went to, um, South Carolina. I have uh, a lot of family down in the Charleston, South Carolina area. And so that's predominantly where I would vacation. And so me and my friends got a condo on the beach we met a group of girls who wanted to hang out and party. 
and uh, which made me really nervous because I knew they were all going to be drinking and I wasn't exactly sure how to handle this. So, uh, but I also didn't want to be that person sitting on the outside, you know, looking in while everyone's having fun. Yeah. And so, um, we got some beer and, uh, I can remember taking my first sip of beer and thinking it was disgusting, thinking to myself, <laughs> like, how the hell do people drink this? Like, what is it about I, this stuff? First thing I thought when I drank my first beer. And so, uh, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't drink it. And so uh, I remember my buddy said, well, I'll mix some um, Sprite and some beer. And he goes, I'll make a Zima. And I said, all right. So I could drink it. I could drink the Sprite and the beer and mix together. I've never heard of anybody mixing their beer. I've yeah, never heard of Unless they were that. like putting it in what, a, what it was a boiler maker or, a, you know, where you was <laughs> amping up some liquor. I, I've never heard anybody water it down. I've never <laughs> heard that. Yeah. So, made a modern uh, day, you made a, an alternate Zima. Yeah. And so uh, I remember um, I got my first buzz. And, um, but you know, it didn't really, uh, I didn't get, I never had that aha moment, hmm. uh, like where I wanted to uh, wake up the next day and, and do it again. Uh, I wouldn't say I got drunk. Um, but later on that summer, I was at a party and people were passed around a joint. And I remember it came to me and uh, I took a few hits of it, but never really got anything. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I have heard that people don't always, yeah, I didn't get, say that same experience. Get, I think I almost high. chalk it up now, like not knowing almost how to do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That may have been it too. Um, and so it was still the same summer. And, uh, I remember, uh, my cousin and I were hanging out and, uh, there was this song, uh, I don't know if you remember the rap group bone, there was, a, they had this, uh, song, it was called ecstasy. And I remember thinking to myself, like, that sounds pretty amazing, the way they're describing this drug. And uh, he said that he knew someone who had, had it. And so we ended up getting some ecstasy and took it. And um, I remember it didn't hit us right away. And so we, we called the guy back. He said, well, come over and we'll give you a little bit more. And so we went over there. And I remember when it hit me, like, I felt like I had arrived. Like, I remember uh, that void that I was talking about earlier was filled. Um, but the effect that I got from it um, was just, uh, like, I feel like I was invincible. I felt like Superman. Like, I could talk with anybody. Uh, I could be the life of the party. And I was. Like, I can remember standing up in front of uh, an apartment full of people who's all doing the same thing as me. And just like basically putting up a stand-up comedy show, and uh, even when I see those people today, they just like laugh and they remind me of some of the things I I said, uh, and I'm th and thinking to myself how stupid I th that it sounds. So uh, I got pretty heavily involved uh, in the club scene, um, and going to a lot of raves and doing a lot of drugs. Uh, a lot, a lot of drugs um, to the point like I don't even know how the hell I survived, honestly, looking back on it. And so um, I even started selling it. Um, at, during this time, I moved out for the first time, uh, and I learned real quick that uh, I was I could not do that. Uh, but once again, my dad was there to um, bail me out. Uh, you know, I couldn't even make enough money to pay my rent. 
Um, I couldn't hold a job. And so, but, you know, my dad was always there to, to pay my rent for me while I just kind of lived a party, party lifestyle. Um, let's see. So you, weren't, so, you weren't a very good drug dealer? No, not at all. Not at <laughs> all. I like, I uh, heard uh, one speaker, he said, and, and I see you've heard it before, but he said, uh, the first week. I was my best customer. The second mm-hmm. week, I was my only customer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know you suck at being a drug dealer when you're the number one customer. Mm-hmm. So I meet uh, I meet this girl, um, and um, there's always a female involved throughout my whole story. Uh, I meet this girl um, who we eventually end up having a child together. Um, she's my oldest now. She's uh, about to turn 18 next month. Amazing. And gra- graduating high school. It's just crazy where the time has gone. Um, That's another thing of like doing this deal, just watching these people's kids grow up, you know, and fla- you know, talk about flashing a pan, man. Mm-hmm. You, you do this recovery thing with one another. And like, I, re- I remember little kids and boom. Yeah, I know. They're young adults. So, um, so you know th- this girl, she she was a good girl, and uh, I just dragged her through the mud like I did with pretty much every female. Um, and so um, I can remember one time, um, I, one time I I was out, we were out partying, and I had blacked out, and I remember waking up on my bathroom floor. Uh, just with puke, just covered in puke all over, all mm-hmm. over me in the bathroom floor. I don't remember how, any idea how the hell I got there. I remember coming out um, into my living room to a room full of people. It's daylight out. Everybody is still partying. And uh, they're like, oh, my gosh, you're alive. And I'm, what do you, what do you mean I'm alive? What? You were foaming out of your mouth. We didn't know what to do with you, so we just laid you on the bathroom floor. <laughs> Thanks. Some, yeah, some friends, some huh? Some really good friends. Yeah, exactly. Um, they did call the, my girlfriend. Uh, she's pregnant at the time, so she wasn't out with us, and plus that really wasn't her scene. But I can remember the look of disgust on her face. I, I still remember it today. Looking at me, you know, w- covered in puke, and my eyes are, you know, huge. Um, and her pretty much giving me an ultimatum right then and there saying, you know, we're having a child together. You need to either stop or we need to, to split apart. Well, you know how we do. We give all the sweet promises. I swear to God, I'm I'm never going to do it again. That's it. And you know, the thing is, is I really had every intention on Mm -hmm. not doing it again, but I didn't have a solution. Uh, my solution was drugs and alcohol. So, um, you know, I could always get some time under my belt. My, my problem wasn't quitting. It was, it was staying stopped. And so, um, so eventually, I, you know, I went back to it. Uh, just found more ways to be discreet about it. We get crafty at hiding what yeah. we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but around this time, um, uh, you know, when, when you're taking those club drugs, it, you know, you can't really hide that stuff. I, I don't know if y'all ever, you know, messed around with any, I know you didn't. No. Yeah, I haven't had any of that either. Uh, but uh, either. you, you, you can't hide it. 
Um, I don't know how I didn't, but I didn't. <laughs> so, uh, you know, at the time, I, I, I'm working at Texas Roadhouse uh, serving. Uh, she's working at Texas Roadhouse as well. And um, I come into work one day, and uh, my shift's about to start, and one of the hostesses um, has some lore tabs, those blue tabs, blue 10 milligram uh, lore tabs. My favorite. Made my mouth water. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. <laughs> and so, um, so she says, you know, you, she's selling them and asks if I want one. I had no idea what this thing is. And so she, you know, described, she was like, you know, nobody will tell you're on it and uh, you'll have your best night serving. Well, she wasn't lying. No one could tell I was on anything, and I did have my best night serving. Great, yeah, yeah. And I could. Where's this stuff been all my life? And so um, now here I moved on to my next thing, and uh, so now it started. I'm starting to take, um, you know, these uh, opiates. Yeah. So just to go because this is actually a little educational for me, from a standpoint of like the other stuff not being sustainable. Is it that like you know the half-life or whatever the fact that you're rocking it for hours on end with ecstasy that's a long-term type of high right I right mean, like it's like doing acid or something where you're right you're you're, you're buzzed up beyond yeah. really being able to really do anything right uh worthwhile for a giant period of time then you have a period of time where you're down for the count right mm-hmm. so that was the that was what you mean about not being able to uh well i don't remember how you worded it but you said something about those party drugs and not being able to really function uh on those yeah those were something that you would take at night uh and go until the early morning yeah you're doing that on a saturday night or on a night well i mean on a night when you ain't got nothing to do tomorrow oh no (laughs) no well i mean in the beginning it was that way uh but then it got to the point you know we're doing it every night yeah uh i mean that's why i'm saying i I couldn't hold a job okay that's where i was getting i want a little more clarity on on what that was so then so obviously that's uh, not sustainable right uh i summer 91 i went through one thing where i was doing like acid like multiple times a freaking week you know and day after day and stuff like that and it was you know again unsustainable to, to drop the tr- to just walk around tripping all the time uh so i think i can relate in that regard mm-hmm. uh but yeah these uh these other pills have yeah a whole different effect. oh yeah you don't feel I didn't feel bad when it was no. done. You know, there was no hangover. There was no right. like, uh, you know, with some stuff. There's a severe like recovery period after mm-hmm. you like alcohol. And I found the same thing with cocaine. And once I run out of cocaine, man, I go into like a severe freaking depression. Yeah. Uh, and it takes some time to get my shit back together before I can function. But not with those opiates. Yeah, I think that's what made them so so great. Is that you know you could. You could it didn't just continue. seem to be you a downside. Function. Oh yeah, you were a fun. You were a functioning, like I say, functioning alcoholic. You were a functioning addict. Yeah, and yeah. I couldn't find any downside to them. Yeah. No. Not really. And so we got to the point, you know, where uh, I'm, I'm starting to use these every day. Um, and so you know, I remember having our to buy them from work. Mm-hmm. Continue to buy them from work yeah. or wherever you can yeah. find them. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I remember during uh, the birth of of my first of my daughter you know uh i'm high during it um matter of fact i was high during (laughs) i'm high during all three of my kids being born yeah um and so um i remember uh this this one particular time uh we're planning a vacation 
uh, to go on uh, to Destin. Um, me and um, my girlfriend and uh, our child and then my mother was going to go. Um, and you know how, how we do, uh, uh, you know, before we go anywhere or on vacation, I, I had to have everything planned out. I had to have, make sure I had something for every single day. And so, uh, you know, even if that meant, uh, oh, the, the drug dealer, you, you can't get any today. Well, we're going to have to move our vacation back a day. Yeah. And, uh, sorry, we can't leave. Yeah. Today. I yeah. Gotta... So, um, so, you know, I, I get my stash. I've got everything planned out for every day in Destin. Right. Well, like, Almost any, like those little seven day. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, that, that's funny. That's what I'm thinking of. And so, but, but like any good addict, uh, you know, uh, it, by halfway during the trip, uh, it's all gone. I've used up all my, my stash and I'm in foreign territory. Don't know where to get anymore. And now I'm starting to feel like crap yeah. on vacation. Cause there is a downside. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and starting so to get a little dope sick. Yes. So, um, we get back from Destin and I think we're only home an hour. I start feeling like I'm having a heart attack. And uh, I know what it is. I'm going through withdrawals. But, you know, I don't tell them that. And uh, so my mom takes me over to Jewish Hospital. Well, they're running all these tests on me. And I'm, I'm keeping quiet. I'm not telling them that I'm going through withdrawal. And so they're running all these tests. They keep me overnight. And, um, you know, I, I remember, uh, I, I think it was you, Dan. I heard you say early on something about... Uh, you can see now where God was placing miracles in your life. Well, looking back, I can see where God was placing miracles in my life on this day. Because I'm over there withdrawn, they end up finding a mass on my kidney. And um, the doctor says, um, you know, sends me to this urologist and says, uh, the urologist says, uh, we got to take this mass out. So I have this invasive surgery. Uh, they go in, take part of my kidney out. Um, turns out to be a malignant tumor. Well, I'm laid up in the hospital. You know, I have this, uh, this big in, uh, invasive surgery, and I still have a, a good scar on my side to show from it. Um, they gave me this morphine pump. I'm laid up in the hospital, and I can press this button every 15 minutes, and it releases morphine into me. And you damn sure did. Oh, guarantee it. <laughs> he was pushing that button every 10 minutes just trying to see if he yeah, could get it faster. Yeah. Problem is, like, <laughs> there's a, a glitch. thing in there that knows yeah. when you're putting, pumping that button early. And so, um, so they, they, uh, they eventually send me home uh, with tons of narcotics. Yeah. Now, this is back in 2006. Before, and before really, it, it started becoming... Like an a, epidemic yeah, where they knew. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and, down. and so, yeah. you know, not once did any doctor talk to me about it. This could, hey, this could be potentially a problem. Be careful with these. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They never talked to me about that. They never talked to me about when they eventually took me off of them. They never talked to me about, you know, withdrawals or anything. Uh, now, of course, I knew all that stuff because I'm an expert, <laughs> right, right? Yeah. And so. Yeah, um, you start realizing that. uh I remember not really putting two and two together in the beginning about why I felt so so shitty, you know, not really realizing that I was dope sick mm -hmm. and, and coming to the realization of, fuck, because I think it was a denial thing too, you know, can't be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. this ain't That's that. when you're realizing, that, okay, wait a second, there is this downside. Yeah. 
Yeah, so you know, even though they don't tell you, you know, so like in one breath, John, you were hanging it a little bit on them in a sense. I know that's not what you were doing. You were just saying the fact that the medical community didn't warn right. you, right? But you, my head also goes, them fuckers didn't warn me. <laughs> <laughs> Should have told me. Yeah, but I knew anyways. So yeah. I've been doing this shit for a while and I knew that it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, but you are right. I mean, it's interesting that you're in there and you're not letting anybody know what's going on. And then you find out mm-hmm. literally, had you not been in there? Who knows when right. that when that tumor would have been picked up because yep. it was totally unrelated to why yeah, you were exactly. there. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, yep. it'd have been so, you know you know it, it is a god it, thing. You know, yeah, because it's caught obviously before it was giving you any outward symptoms. You know, and usually by the time you're starting to actually have symptoms from something like that, it can be it's yeah. moved around. Yeah, and you're and in trouble. You know, gut, the, the gut uro- cancer in, yeah. cancer in that area yeah. is a bad deal. And you know, the urologist uh, that I had, um, he was an older an older gentleman. I think he retired just shortly after he did my surgery but uh i remember him telling me that i was the youngest patient he ever had and that they caught it very early how old were you about back in 2006 so i was probably years ago 13 14 years ago yeah uh, i'm 40 now so maybe 25 26 yeah wow that is yeah yeah so um and, and you know what's crazy is uh is that i never seem scared i remember everybody around me like my parents and my girlfriend being scared to death hmm. and i was not i was never scared because you know why i was more concerned i remember being kind of happy about man this i'm gonna get an opportunity to get lots of pills from this i remember having isn't, that, isn't that shit crazy okay yeah. now we're going to the alcoholic mind right there yeah, yeah. i mean it's this just is a I benefit relate, man i fell yeah. off that roof down here at fargo yeah. that was my first thing yeah. pills this is gonna get me a script for yeah. sure yeah it's crazy uh, man you know, it's interesting because you, you, you talked earlier about, like, living with this life of fear kind of thing, you know. And then in these opposite yeah. situations where you ought to be scared. And you know, he's not, the fear he's is not, not afraid. afraid. Yeah. <laughs> but the fear is not there, but, but, but my mind is someplace else. Yeah. So, let's see, where I leave off? Um, the surgery and the going home with all the pills. Yeah, so, and, the and, so, and, and then I, I figure out, you know, ways to get more pills from the doctor. Like, I can remember them sending me home with generics and calling the doctor and saying, Hey, these, these generics, they're not working. They're, they're upset my stomach. And they, they call me in a script for the real ones. Yeah. And they both are working. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just <laughs> fine. Um, but yeah. it just blows my mind that they, how easy it was back then that yeah. they would just call me in another script. And then I, and then That's it got the to a point where, where I said, I Hey, the these, uh, these lower tabs, they're, they're not working. I, and so they would give me Percocet. Yeah. Switch to oxy. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's crazy. Um, that's a whole other story, but anyways, yeah, that um, whole, again, you know, but that's that manipulation you talked about as you was a kid, you know, mm-hmm. that when you develop that, you know, that skill and then later on in life here, you're operating using those same skills mm-hmm. to get what you need in yeah. this department. So eventually got to the point where, um, you know, this became a big enough problem that's actually pretty much when my disease progressed you know they it it always progresses and gets worse um but after that surgery is when it it went to a whole other level it 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 kind of went to uh doing it uh recreationally i guess even though it was more than recreationally to i I couldn't survive yeah without these um and it went from just taking you know one two a day to taking multiple handfuls a day. Um, Which means also it was getting very expensive. Yeah. yeah. 
Yes. Uh, and the money had to come from somewhere. Uh, and so um, she had enough, and she she left. And um, this was my first time uh, going into uh, an outpatient rehab facility. So this is when she, this she, this is the second she. No, this yeah, is uh, this, this is, is your my, oldest daughter's, my oldest daughter's mother still. Yes. Okay. All right. So um, she you finally know, we kind of had, left it hanging back here at the party about her saying, "I'm out of here if you don't change," and we kind of slipped off. So she's still with you through the surgery. Yes. And passed correct into here, but now she's said, "Okay, enough." Yeah, H- had enough. She knows um, what you were doing. Yeah. Yeah. She knew. <laughs> yeah, she knew. So mine didn't. She didn't know. She knew something was wrong, but she didn't know, she what, didn't it know was. what it was. And that was yeah. really that was almost I think as pain more maybe more painful is that uh, you know like what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah, you, know, mm-hmm. you can hang a hook on it. And go well, you're a dopehead dummy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she knew that that's what you were doing. Yeah, and so she left, and and I admitted myself into uh, an outpatient rehab facility only to hope to get them back. It 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 wasn't because at this point I thought I had a problem. It was just basically just to prove, hey, you know, I, I'm here's what I'm doing. Hopefully, yeah, it's a fire drill. It's yeah, put the fire out. Exactly. Yeah, you had a consequence. I'm gonna go ahead and react to this, and and I'm gonna get back what I lost. Right. So, um, I started going to no, I did not start going to meetings yet. Um, I just went to this outpatient facility. Um, they didn't require it, you to go to meetings, get card signed. I don't remember them doing that th- at this this time. Interesting. I, um, where did you go? I went to the Brook out on um, not where Lagrange. Lagrange. Lagrange, yeah, that one. KMI or something. Yeah, KMI. Yeah. And so and I, I can remember, you know, not even paying attention. I, I can remember, you know, paying attention to the to the other girls yeah. in there, but not to what we were reading or talking about. Um. That's the first place that I saw the sign that said uh, "looking for a relationship." And here's like buying a shopping for a car in a junkyard. I've <laughs> never heard that, but I'll definitely yeah. remember I, that. And I, Very true. So I'm looking around at the girls, and that sign is up there. You know, that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know. I, I felt like, you know, I was, you know, doing something, you know, I was, I was kind of like important by not, um, taking opiates, but I would still continue drinking and smoking weed, uh, every day. Um, let's see. And some, uh, some time goes by and I, um, my sister invites me out, um, during March Madness, uh, to Hooters. Uh, she's out there with some friends and um i end up meeting one of her friends uh who is now my wife um but uh so we meet and um this is shortly after um i'm get i got out of um the outpatient rehab uh program so we start dating. Um, at this point at all, had you done any drugs after this, or you're just drinking? Uh, I'm just drinking and smoking. And so... Um, just drinking and, and smoking weed. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the, the, pill, the pills start back up uh, very shortly a- afterwards. Cause, because drinking and weed doesn't count, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the way I looked at it. And so, let's see. Uh, Carrie worked... Um, she she was a bartender, worked second shift, you know, get off 11 o'clock at night. 
uh, I was working EMS at the time. Um, I got into EMS because uh, from a very early age, I wanted to be a firefighter. Uh, and so I uh, went to get my EMS license, um, hoping to, you know, that would help me get on the fire department because I had been trying out um, since I was like 21. Um, so uh, Carrie and I meet and we instantly hit it off, you know, very quick. And uh, we both got off at 11 o'clock at night, and we would uh, buy some pills. We would go to the bar, um, and we would play darts and close the bar down. And most nights we'd go home fighting. So was she actually taking the pills as well, or just you? Yeah, she, she would take them every once in a while. I mean, it wasn't uh, anything like I was doing, and, I, and she did not have a problem whatsoever. Um, I mean, she was one of them people that could just, you know, take it here or there, and it, she could take it or leave it. It's crazy. Yeah, I know. What's wrong with those people? I don't know. <laughs> weirdos. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, this went on for, for a while until um, until she got pregnant. So, she got pregnant. Um, she She can stop. I'm still out doing my thing. And um, I get a call one day from the fire department, and they they tell me that I have a job. Really? They said I have a job, um, and I remember just being I, I just remember being so happy because I it, you know that's something I had worked really hard at at trying to to accomplish, and. Um, so they sent me up to Indianapolis to, to have all the tests ran. And, um, and I have to take this uh, thousand, thousand question psychological test. Um, and then they, they scan your, your, your answers and then you have to go talk to this therapist. And so I, I go in there and, and, you know, I'm completely honest on this psychological test. Well, I go in there and he's questioning whether or not I'm fit enough to be on the fire department because of my all the drug use that I had put down on this test so you were completely honest I was completely honest and so um so I get home (laughs) that's the day you decide to get honest yeah exactly (laughs) and so um so you know I, I I'm home and this must have been within a, a, a few days after being up in Indy taking this this test and uh, Carrie like I said is pregnant and I rem- we got into a big fight when we would fight we 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 had some some big fights uh, nothing ever really got physical but this time she she was hitting me um, and. I remember I kind of picked her up, like bear hugged her. Um, like she, she was, she wasn't living at my place. Like we didn't have a place together. I mean, she would stay over all the time, but it wasn't technically her place. Now she's still pregnant right now. Yeah, she's pregnant. Okay. And I remember I pick her up, bear hug her to to get her to stop hitting me. It's more I, of a restraining her. Yeah, and and I throw her outside on my back deck so I can lock the door, and um. And I guess she fell wrong and to the point where she she went to the her friend took her to the hospital. Well, she filed a police report. 
She didn't follow through with it, but um, I get a call from the fire department shortly after. Um, they had caught wind of it and um, pretty much said that, you know, we, we can't have someone like you on our fire department. Yeah, no, uh, thank you. Uh. Yeah, but you know what? When the chief called me, you know what he said? He said, you were a little bit too honest on your psychological test. And I said, too honest? Like, what kind of people are you trying to hire? And he said, well, you know, I used to do some drugs back in my day, in my day, but I didn't put that down on my psychological test. I'm thinking to myself, like, who says that? Like, if, if you wanted me to lie, you, sh- you all should have told me that. Um, but that's, that's another story. But So anyway, so I, I remember feeling completely heartbroken that I had now lost something uh, like this job, my career. Like, I'm thinking to myself, like, what am I going to do now? Um, so I get a job uh, working for the city. Um, so you leave being an EMT. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, I, when they called me, they, um, they said that you could go ahead and put your two weeks in. Um, and, uh, and okay. I didn't, and I didn't leave on good terms with them cause I never left on good terms with any, anyone. And, uh, so I couldn't go back even if I w- had wanted to. Uh, but I, I didn't want to. It was um, I, I did not like working EMS. They work you too too damn hard and don't pay you nearly yeah. enough. Uh, so um, so Carrie and I, you know, we eventually get back together. You know, of course, I make all these sweet promises. Like I said earlier, you know how we do. At this point, she realizes completely that you have some issues with drugs and alcohol. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh. And, I, and I'm pretty sure things got, after that, got a lot worse. Um, so uh, eventually gets to a point um, where I start going to the methadone clinic. And I'm uh, going up there every day and getting methadone. And, um, uh, and I remember trying to, and I had every intention on going up there, actually trying to get off of opiates. I remember telling them that, you know, I wanted to, to come down like a milligram a day until eventually I got to, to nothing. Uh, and I went up there for probably half a year and I eventually got down to 20 milligrams. And then, where did you start at? I can't remember. Um, that's okay. But I, I got drug tested at work and, uh, and I was scared shitless. I was going to lose my drop, my job. Um, and so I remember um, having to go to like the me- going to the methadone clinic and them saying, well, you know, y- you won't lose your job over this because, you know, you're this is a prescribed. Right. Thing. This is a prescribed yes. Medicine. We can give you the. Limit. But I remember still being freaked out about it. So I, I just stopped cold turkey at 20 milligrams. Well, coming off of that stuff. Shame. You know, what, know yeah, that. Yes. That, too. But I remember coming off of that methadone. It was it was absolutely terrible. I remember not being able to sleep for a week. Just worse than coming off the opiates. Big time. Oh yeah, I've heard that too. Sitting in the shower with water running on me. I mean, it was it was absolutely miserable. And and you know after all that, going through all of them uh, withdrawals, like I still went back to the stuff. It's just crazy how how we do how we put put ourselves through that. But I didn't know another way. Um, so um. Eventually, I, you know, uh, let's see, um, 
it, it was, you know, one time and she, she said she was leaving. This happened multiple, multiple times with Carrie and I. The where threat. She, the threat, yeah. And, and she never followed through with it. Um, and, and I figured that out. Um, but one of these times uh, in there, in my story, uh, I start going to NA meetings, Narcotics Anonymous meetings. And I, I can remember going to my first narcotics meeting and um, walking in and everyone making me feel so welcomed, like people come up and, and hugging me and just feeling completely welcomed. And it was just an overwhelming feeling. I can remember just crying and um, thinking to myself, like, I, I'm going to do this, but I'm still drinking and I'm still smoking weed every single day. I'm just not taking the opiates because I feel like opiates are my problem, not anything else. That, that's so interesting and so uh, stereotypical of us, you know, that we, uh, you know, we will select the one thing and say mm-hmm. that's the problem. You right. other things I can still do. I know a lot of people stop heroin and run around and drink mm-hmm. and call themselves clean. Yeah. And, 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 I would, and I would tell you that, too, that I was clean. Um. And so this went on for about a year. I was going to meetings. Um, I was going to meetings. I never got a sponsor. Uh, never worked any sort of step. Just went to meetings. Um, and um, to NA meetings. And um, so I went for about two and a half years and didn't take any opiates. And I can remember being at work one day and there was this guy that I worked with um, who, who, took opiates every single day I, I knew he did um and I can remember it was a Friday afternoon um and um I he he was at the time this is when um Opana was getting real big mm. and I and I asked him um after two and a half years I and Carrie and I were fighting it was payday and I'm thinking to myself hey can, can you get me one of those you know I just want to feel better with every intention on just taking it that Friday afternoon to feel better. Well, as soon as I, I took it, um, it, it kicked my, that physical craving kicked in and, and I couldn't stop. I went on a spree that turned out to be, um, my last one, which was by far the worst. Um, I, I did things, uh, during that time that, if you would if you would have told me that that I was going to do these things, I wouldn't. There's no way in hell I would have believed you. Um, and at this time, Avery's yes born. Yeah, Avery's what born. What about Jake? <sighs> Getting yeah, close. Jake. Yeah, Jake may have been born. Yes. So during that two and a half years of uh, not do, using opiates, just drinking and smoking weed, this is when both. Both of your your two other children were born. I don't think Jake was at that time during that two and a half years because uh, Jake wasn't born until we moved into the house that we're in now. Okay, um, it's so hard looking back, you know, trying to remember. You oh, know, I, believe me, I know. Yeah, that's like it goes through that thing. I said if I knew I was going to tell the story, I'd have kept better track. Yeah, ma'am. Yeah, no kidding. Exactly. Um, what? Nothing. I oh, was I exactly. I would have written. I would have wrote. Written down a lot of stuff. 
taking notes. Some things are like pencil clear or crystal clear on like these event kind of things. You know, I remember, like you said, like, you know, you remember that day at work when I got that open. You, <laughs> you know, remember that day in the yes. I don't remember if my kid was born or not. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. You remember the day being in the yard and you're thinking you saw Satan, you know, and you yeah. remember that, oh, Hannah, you yeah. remember that. Mm-hmm. You remember that moment when you felt happy that, well, hell, I've got cancer. That means more opiates. Because mm-hmm. earlier today, earlier in this podcast, you did say that you were high when all three kids were born. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, we'll go on. So, uh, yeah, yeah, he gave you the Opana. Yeah, so I got the Opana. Like I said, I had every intention on just using it that one day to feel better. Um, but that physical craving kicked in, and, and I and I was off to a spree. That's another opiate I never got hold of. It's, I didn't get that one, uh, I don't think. So, um, so I'm on this spree, and, I, and I'm doing things I swear I'd, I would have never done. Um, and I, I, you know. I'm sure I, I don't I really don't want to get into it because uh, I don't want to put that out you know there and, and you know I know you probably know and I'm sure you probably know a lot of them because I've, I've talked with you all about them before um, but um, I, I can remember one time it was you know Carrie took the kids up to to Cleveland to visit her family for Christmas um, you know I, I didn't get the invite this trip because we weren't together but um you know during that time i had I had proposed to, to her and i gave her a ring and well during this time she went to cleveland you know she gave me the ring back and um around this time i had gotten um i get a longevity check uh every every like first week of december from work from work yeah and uh, it increases like two hundred dollars every year what well, this time it was like i don't know a thousand dollar twelve hundred dollar check that I had every intention on um, using it to buy my kids Christmas presents with and uh, instead it, it went all towards drugs and so they're up in Cleveland they're they're fixing to come back shortly and I don't have any presents for my kids for Christmas and I'm thinking where the hell am I going to get some money hmm. um, you used all that money for yeah, I used drugs. all that that longevity check on on drugs, and so I'm thinking to myself, where am I going to get money to buy my kids Christmas presents? Well, I see that that ring, that engagement ring, laying there, and I go pawn the thing hmm. to to buy my kids Christmas presents with. Um, and so uh, that's how my kids, you know, had a Christmas that year is with their mother's engagement ring. So, um, and, and I pawned, I, I, I can remember stealing my kids or my daughter's uh, American Girl dolls and pawning them. Hmm. Um, I mean, it just, the thing, like I said, and, and that's just some of it. Yeah, the depths we go to. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, it's crazy. Steal from our children to, yeah. to, to support our habit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I can remember putting my kids in the car with me and going, taking them to areas of Louisville that like you wouldn't go by yourself no, now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With a weapon. And, yeah. And, 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 and leaving them in the car what while I go mean? inside to the dealer's house. Yes. Yeah. I and and, and I remember crying, actually sobbing on the way there. Like, why am I doing this? I can remember one time in particular, we had really bad weather and the, the newscasters advising everyone to stay off the roads. And I'm out with my kids in the car driving to, the, to pick up some drugs uh, and sobbing. Like, what am I doing? And I couldn't stop. I wanted to stop. I, I couldn't. I didn't know how. 
And so um, it eventually got to a point where, you know, Carrie had, had said, you know, this is it. You know, you, you have got to stop. Um, and so, you know, I knew the risk every time I was taking something. And I can remember waking up one morning. Um, I was slept down in the basement this particular night. Well, actually, most nights because we were most of the time fighting. And I remember uh, waking up to a text message from her. It was a picture of my stash that she had found. And I remember thinking to myself, well, this, this is it. Like, um, she had taken the kids. They had left that morning. And, um, and somehow I, I knew that, that this, was, this was for real. This was over. And uh, I didn't even try to, to call her. My fir- the first thing I did was try to find my stash. Yeah, did I wanted- she take that shit? Yeah, that's what I, I so I, I searched the house up and down. When I couldn't find it, uh, I scrounged up some money and I went to my dealer's house and got some more. So she did take it. Yeah, come to find it, she flushed it. It's amazing how we at a certain point we're willing to give up everything to get back what we lost, and then we get to a point where we're like, "Well, this is what I am, and fuck it." Yeah, they yeah. can go. That's how exactly how I felt. You That's get to that point. About, we talk about surrender when we're getting well, right? Exactly. You know, and I remember like the surrender to the drugs yeah. and the alcohol. And you the surrender I to. Said, I just put my white flag up to the pills and the exactly. dope and said, "Okay, you've won. Take me. Yeah, yeah. I'm to, here. This is just me, I guess." I used to say all the time, you know, uh, that it was my master. Alcohol was my master. I was its bitch, and mm-hmm. I surrendered to it. Yeah, I was just listening listen to a speaker. Uh, the other day, I think his name, I had never, you know, I've listened to a lot of speakers and I had never heard this guy. He was a native American. I think his name was Don. I don't know if you've ever heard him, but he talks about, um, he uses this analogy of being in the, being in the boxing ring, uh, against, uh, you know, it's himself versus alcohol. And he talks about his, all of his loved ones being in the first row and, the, the auditorium being crowded and eventually each round as he's getting his ass whooped every single time more and more people leaving the auditorium eventually you know his, his family's the last one in there and eventually you Just know he looks up after getting knocked alcohol. out one time and and the family's gone and uh he keeps coming back every round he keeps coming back for it hmm. and keeps getting his ass whooped every yeah. single time yeah it's a good analogy so um man i gotta take a piss okay well, we will be right back in just a moment. All right, we so, are back. Okay, so um, so yeah, like I was saying, um, her and the kids left, um, and uh, went to get some more stuff that that day. And uh, where did they go? Um, did she go back to Cleveland? No, I'm not sure where they went that day. No, she didn't go home. Uh, to Cleveland. Um, I don't know. Um, but, um, you know, I went to get some more stuff and I'm sitting at the house all day by myself. And, you know, I actually preferred that. I I liked when they were, when they were gone, uh, during that time because I would, I didn't have to sneak around. Yeah. I could, you know, do my thing. Um, I didn't have to lie and come up with excuses why I needed to leave the house and, um, I didn't have to try to hide how much I was drinking or anything like that. So I'm sitting there. And so just to clarify too, this whole time, like during this, cause it's been really focused on the pill usage, 
but you were continuing to drink. Also, oh, the whole, yeah, yeah. And anything. alcohol was involved all the time. Okay. Yeah. And that's a, like I said, but alcohol and opiates, that's a few of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. So that combination yes. is, a, is my cocktail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine too. Uh, so <clears throat> I'm sitting there on the couch in the living room <clears throat> enjoying my time alone. And all of a sudden, I hear some some car doors shut outside, and uh, peek peek through the blinds. <laughs> oh man, I hate peeking through the blinds. I see my two aunts walking towards the front door, and I'm like, "Holy shit!" And you know, my car is out front, and so I, they know I I'm home. I go down I go downstairs in the basement, and I'm hiding. And um, they come in, grown the, man, yeah, hiding, hiding in, in his own, own home. home, yeah. They come in. I must have left the <clears throat> the front door unlocked, and um, they're I can hear them calling my name, and I'm just hoping to God they don't find me. And they're not giving up. They're they're walking around my house looking for me, and uh, they eventually find me, <clears throat> which was a very embarrassing moment. Where, where were you? <laughs> I was hiding down in uh, the basement. Um, we've got this little uh, space where the furnace and the hot water heater is. The utility room. Yeah. It's just it's it's actually more like so a, you were in a closet. It's, yeah, it's kind of like a closet, really. <laughs> utility, I'm getting a mental image the of the this. utility That's why I'm closet. <laughs> And so, what are you doing um, in there? <laughs> they find me and light uh, on the water heater. And everything. And so, Carrie had uh, had told my family, um, you know, everything that was going on. And so, we kind of had like a little mini intervention right there in my basement, and everything came out in the open. And I remember I was crying, and uh, there was a sense of relief because it was finally out. Yeah, like my family knew it wasn't a secret anymore. A huge exhale what a huge yeah exhale. oh yeah yeah and so um and, and and they had always suspected you know something was going on um but it but now it was finally out it was open there was nothing i couldn't hide anymore and so uh they pretty much told me they they would do uh you know anything they could do to help as long as i was willing to help myself and um uh, you know, I, I was at the, the point where I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know, I, I, I for a long time, I had wanted things to be different. I just didn't know how. And uh, so I had made a decision that the next day I was going to pack a bag and I was going to admit myself into rehab. And so Sunday morning came, I packed a bag, I went to church and um, I called a friend and, and asked if uh, we could meet at Starbucks um, there on um, in Hikes Point, and which is about a mile away from the brook, and um, we went over there together, and I they admitted me into into rehab. And um, did you go to the KMI version, or did you go to the one off or on Dutchman's Lane? Right, right there on uh, Dupont, uh, Dupont, yeah, Browns Dupont, Lane, yeah, yeah, Browns Lane, yeah, that Browns area, Lane. yeah, the Dupont one. So uh, they admitted me in uh, because I was. Um, I, I had had suicidal thoughts, not wanting, not wanting to live any any longer. Uh, so they felt like that was the best fit for me to to do inpatient. So that uh, was your family aware of this, that you were doing this. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Carrie was not, um, but uh, but my my family, the rest of my family knew. So I'm in there, um, and uh, and I'm sitting there, 
and I just gotten in. They they showed me to my room, and there's a man laying. First on the, time to rehab. First time to inpatient rehab. Inpatient. Yeah. Yeah. You remember you said you did some outpatient. Yeah. And so uh, I'm in the inpatient, and uh, they take me to my room. I lay my my bag on my on my bed, and there's a man sleeping. I go out to the the you know hangout area. Common area. The common area. Yeah. yeah. And there's everybody's in there hanging out, and uh, within a matter of minutes there's three people that come up to me and they said, Hey, you need to keep an eye on, on your roommate. He's liable to do something to you while you're sleeping. So <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to freak out. I'm, I'm really getting really scared and I'm thinking maybe this, this isn't right for me because I notice everyone in there is just kind of, they, they don't seem like me. They, they seem more like they're uh, not there, like almost like schizophrenic. Um, and so I'm wondering why the hell they put me, put me with these people. And so I go up to the nurse's station. I said, Hey, uh, you know, I, I don't think this place is for me. I think I'm in the wrong place. I, you know, I'd like to leave. <laughs> and, uh, she said, you know, she, I explained to her what's going on and she says, give me a few minutes. I'll get back to you. <laughs> so about 30 minutes goes by, she comes back and she says, go grab your bag. So I get my bag and we walk through this long hallway and then all of a sudden the doors open and it's like it, it, it almost reminds me of like when in the wizard of oz when uh dorothy goes uh into oz and it's black and white and it goes into color it kind of reminds me of that because it was like a whole brand new facility it went from being like 30 people in this uh small common area to only like seven and they're all addicts and alcoholics just like me so and, what they did, they put you on the psych side of yeah. things a lot of times. And then a lot of times they sep- segregate those patients from the chemical dependency side in these places. Yeah. And sometimes they actually mix them. It matters what their census is. You know? Yeah. If they only got four in each one. They, they must will... have thought I was fucking crazy. <laughs> well, they probably were worried about you, you know, as far as about like suicidal type stuff. Yeah. So yeah. they put you on the psych, the psych side. side. Yeah. And they do that a lot. Yeah. They, uh, I, I know for a fact because I'm very close to somebody. Uh, that works there, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they tend to put people in the wrong side. Yeah, they're chemically dependent, and they're de- they're alcoholics, You're right. and addicts, but they look crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I spend uh, ten days in there. Wow, that's good. And um, that's a long time for an inpatient. Uh, for usually it's either you know most well, people you know, are either five or six or twenty eight. My insurance would only uh, cover me for. I think a week, but yeah, my family actually paid for, the for me days. to stay wow. three days. They wanted me. They felt like the it was that days. important. Man, that's a gift. Yeah. His family's always been a big supporter uh, of, mm-hmm. of him. It's a very tight-knit family. Yeah. I've seen that. <laughs> so, um, so I'm in there 10 days, and, and in that time, uh, Carrie comes to visit me while I'm in there uh and drops a bombshell on me and says that her and the kids are moving back to cleveland and um it just it just you know hearing that it was hard for me to to focus on myself and um i made it my primary goal when i got out of there to try anything to keep them from leaving um so i got out after 10 days and um and I, I started the outpatient um, there. IOP. The IOP. Intensive yeah, outpatient. In the evening. It wasn't in the morning time with, with Chris. Uh, it was Terry. Um, and uh, and so 
on Wednesday nights, they had uh, an alumni meeting where, you know, people had gone through this outpatient program, would come back on Wednesday nights, and we'd have a little meeting in there. Mm-hmm. And I um, love that when I was yeah. there. And so um, – Remember, there was this, uh, you know, and they required us to, to go to meetings and, and get sponsors and start working the steps. And, um, and, and I, you know, I loved going to meetings early on. I, I loved it. I, uh, I could identify with everybody. Uh, you know, I felt a part of when I was in there. And, um, but I was having trouble finding a sponsor. And so um, there was this uh, guy in there. Actually, it was actually Brian and Darren was in there religiously every Wednesday night and they always had great things to say, but Brian would get on my fucking nerves so bad because he was so happy all the time. And, and, and I say this because I, Brian knows this. I've, I've, we joke about it. And, um, he was just so happy all the time. And and I was angry all the time. And, um, and Darren, uh, pulled me aside one time and he said, you know, I really think you need to get Brian to sponsor you. And, and I really respected what both of them had to say. So I, I did, I did, I got Brian to sponsor me and, um, and, you know, Brian and I, um, aren't someone who would normally mix together, right. yep. but, uh, because we have that same, we share that common bond, um, we were able to, and he took me through the steps, and uh, it was uh, a truly amazing experience going through the steps with him. Uh, it was intense, um, and at the time, his sponsor was Patrick W., who runs a pretty uh, well-known um, step study in the Louisville area and has been doing it for, I think, almost 20 years now. But um, it's it requires doing a lot of work uh, and I had damn near I think 198 resentments and each one required writing a paragraph so it was it was a lot of work I, I put in a lot of time going into you know coffee shops and uh, sitting there by myself and and doing the work because at the time you know uh, Carrie and then uh, my oldest daughter's mother would not let me see my kids mm. so I had a lot of free time on my hands um, my my day pretty much consisted of uh, getting up in the morning going to work uh, coming home uh, working out after work um, coming home showering getting ready going to a meeting uh, going to a coffee shop after the you know seven eight o'clock meeting working and then going to the 10 o'clock meeting coming home and doing it all over again the next day and yeah, uh, you and, think about those things like you know my, my neither mother would let me see my kids but like you know in some respect that was a huge gift today because it allowed you that mm-hmm. space yeah to do that work yeah so like i said um you know brian took me through the steps and um it was a it was a an awesome experience i had no problem doing step one at all I, like I said I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired I wanted something different in my life and you know my whole the whole time I, I just didn't know how to do it I didn't know what to do and and he was teaching me a new way and um, you know in, in step two uh, I did have an issue with it uh, because um, you know I, I when I when I see that higher power in step two I'm thinking to myself God well he explained it to me like you know it doesn't have to doesn't necessarily have to be God it could be you know, it could be me, it could be the higher, it could be the group, um, you know, uh, basically 
the thing that I liked about step two is it talked about, uh, you know, uh, I, I feel like one of the most important words in it is could, because it, it, it showed me that, you know, it was possible that by seeing people at birthday on birthday nights at meetings, getting that one year token and five year token and 25 year token, it showed me that it was possible for me to, um, and uh, that's what sold me is uh, because I, I remember, you know, a day seemed impossible. And here I'm at meetings seeing people multiple years getting tokens. And I knew that, that it, hey, if, if they could do it, then I could do it too. Right. Um, so um, it, I felt like I finally had a chance. And um, getting on step two, also one of the things is that, you know, that I know that Brian taught you – with you having an issue with a traditional God, you know, that had been taught to you, uh, you know, he opened the door for a God of your own understanding. Yeah. And that you didn't have to start off with any concept of it other than whatever you chose to make it. Mm-hmm. Just just the group. And right. I always, you know, found that the most interesting concept of all that we were able then to go out and form what our God was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you didn't have to be in a rush to do it. Right. And you said the key word. You just have a willingness to to do that and for the time being use your sponsor mm-hmm. use the group so um yeah and you know um it, it's crazy that you know my whole life i'd always been searching for you know something to fill that void mm-hmm. but what's crazy is it was inside of me the whole time right you know like it's just wild that the whole time it was inside of me you are what you're searching for mm-hmm it's 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 mind blowing. Yeah, it's a weird. It's, it's the the whole concept is like you. To, if you try to talk to me about it when I was sick, can't get my mind wrapped around it at all. And you talk about that forming your own conception, you know, and that being the key here, right? And that is like to me as far as when it comes to AA, it's one of the. I will say this a million times. If, if somebody goes back and takes his podcast, and I like how many times I've said it, it's just the biggest thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, is the fact that we get to we get to choose our own. We can get to make our own conception, but even bigger than that to me is that we don't reject each other for what we choose. Exactly. You know, exactly. We don't criticize. We're not critical. Yours mm -hmm. is not right. And mine is not wrong. It's my concept to me. I always liken it to the world would do that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of problems would be solved. Yeah. To me, it's just, it's my relationship with my God. And that's what all of it boils down to. And, and and your relationship with your God, right? Whatever that is, you know, I don't know how anybody else can define God, period. You mm-hmm. know, it's your relationship. Now, that right. concept, it seems very clear and clean to me today. It does to me as <laughs> today. well. Today. But, man, it sure didn't then. You know, uh, now being, you know, going through a 12-step program and, and going to church, and, and, and I guess like myself, I go, I guess you would say a conventional Christian church, I'll have people question me when I use the phrase, my concept of God. And they're like, but you you go to church. I'm like, you know, there's a lot of good things about conventional churches. But you know what? I will take what I want and I will leave mm-hmm. what I don't. And I am perfectly fine with that. They're not going to change my view or concept, but what they're teaching. Um, I'm going to take from it what I want and what I don't. Yeah. I leave. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, you said change. You know, my I think and I think you I don't want to I don't want to sound like it's a counterpoint. 
but it's it's constantly evolving. It is and if evolving. If I open myself yes. to these teachings in these areas, like in the churches and in a uh, Buddhist community, yeah. and if I expose myself to that, I continue to pick up and build, and that's what part of me for me is that improving my conscious contact with my higher power. Exactly. By mm-hmm. seeking out in all these different places because it is everywhere. Yeah. It's both places and three, you know, it's every place. And, mm-hmm. and I get to continue to grow that way. That's not a counterpoint because it, it's always yeah. evolving. My, my conception you said is. Something, I want to make sure that you said it. Mine, it doesn't, ha- it doesn't have to change yeah. yours if you don't want it to. It's yeah. not a thing that you have to take in. But it does evolve. I, I, like I said, I've always said that I see, just like what you said, I see God in other people. That's how I learn and, and develop like my concept and relationship with God, because I will see it in others and I pick up on it and use it. You mm-hmm. know, um, it's, um, you know, you talked about Catholic church earlier and we went into the whole topic of, you know, and I'm not, uh, I'm not someone that's going to bash anybody's religion. Uh, it is their choice and, and, and I'm, I'm glad they have it, but you know, that, that, that damnation that sometimes gets put on us. Yeah. It's taught to us. We yeah. learn that. Faulty teaching. It's faulty teaching. And, you know, one of the things about, you know, uh, the big book, it says, you know, that God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. And that is one thing that you will always get me to believe yeah. that we're not put here, you know, to be damned. Yeah. We're here to right. be happy, joyous, and free. Otherwise, why, to me, why would we be here? Why would, why would anything that could create us, any higher power, want us to be miserable? miserable? Mm-hmm. So... But anyways, yeah, uh, I'm awesome sorry, but I, I, I have to take a piss again. <laughs> All right, we are back. So we were talking about step two, and uh, we got had some really good discourse there. I really like the energy that's going on among the three of us. I, mm-hmm. I dig it. Um, first off, I like you two really, really well, so that works. And, uh, and, and I love sitting here discussing this stuff with you all. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Brian and I continued on the steps, and uh, we got to step three, and we got down on, on our knees and, and – prayed together and, and did the third step prayer. And, uh, and I tell you what, uh, you know, the third step is, has probably been the toughest for me and continues to be the toughest for me today. You know, turning my, my life over to God, um, is just, uh, it's, it's, it's hard. And I, I, I would venture to say it's probably the toughest for everybody, you know, doing it on a daily basis, uh, you know, doing God's will. Um, cause I'm a selfish person very selfish and self-centered person and i i want to do things my way and uh i don't always want to do things you know god's way um so uh that continues to be a daily struggle for me uh i think i briefly talked about step four earlier um you know uh i had 198 resentments but you know i i was i was actually excited i know a lot of people get kind of nervous about doing that step four uh, putting everything down on paper because it's a lot of soul searching and fact facing uh things you have to do and things that we've never been comfortable doing before and now we're putting it all down on paper um but i was excited about doing that because i I wanted some relief i knew that by doing it uh, i was going to get some relief from it and then once i did step five i was hoping i was going to get some relief from it but really i didn't I didn't get the relief I was expecting until mm. I got to step nine. Uh, and once I started making them amends uh, is when I started getting some big time relief. Yeah. Uh, it was, uh, and I know a lot of people aren't real excited about doing amends either, but I was, uh, I was actually excited about doing amends and um, because, uh, but I, I, but you know, I, I think a lot of it had to do with 
uh, with, you know, I wanted people to, to know that, hey, I, I'm taking shit serious this time. Like, this is for real. So, uh, you know, Brian and I, we, we worked the steps and, and Brian was a sponsor I needed early on because, uh, you know, the, the great thing um, about Brian is, um, is for me was is he didn't hold anything back and I needed that type of sponsor. Um, you know, early on, I spent a lot of time, you know, I, I fought a lot trying to get Carrie back and she wasn't budging. Um, and Brian was always right there to listen and then always to let me know, uh, you know, put me, you know, set me back in place. So, you know, I'd call and call him and bitch and complain and talk about what she did and, he would listen and wouldn't say a word and then always quick to tell me what my part was. And there was multiple times I'd hang up the phone and swear to God I was going to get another sponsor because how dare him tell me that I'm the one fucking up. And after a good night's sleep and calming down and thinking about things, I, I could see my part and, and knew that I was the one causing this chaos in my life because it's, it's always me. Yep, it really is. It's always you. And, uh, it's a hard concept, too, though, yeah. you know, and it's a mm-hmm. tough one to, like, when you're listening to new people, bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's like, well, uh, there's only one person that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the common denominator is always me. Yep. Uh, so, uh, you know, that, that's pretty much probably, that's one of the coolest gifts that I've received in this, in this program is, is that right there um, is is being able to take constructive criticism and not taking things so personal, you know? Um, so we, you know, we finished the steps. We, we, uh, we got to step 12 and, um, and I can remember, I can remember, you know, calling Brian one night and, um, and I, and I can't remember everything that was, that was said, um, what he said, but I, I can remember questioning whether or not, I had a spiritual experience and, um, he basically just, uh, you know, he gave me some other, some reminders, but he was, uh, you know, you came to this program as a hopeless man. Are you hopeless anymore? And, um, and I said, no, I'm not. And he said, well, that's a spiritual experience. He said, um, the fight that you and your dad got into recently, I can't remember what the fight was about, but I do remember him saying that. Uh, he said, normally you would argue with them and, you know, get real defensive. And did you do that? And I said, no. And he said, well, then you, you acted differently than you would normally do. So that, you know, that's an, another example of a spiritual experience. Mm-hmm. And he pointed all these things out to me. And, and, you know, I was, I was expecting like this big burning bush moment, you know, and uh, it, he was able to point out, it was just these little subtle things in my life that were different than normal you're operating on a different plane mm-hmm. you know honestly but we don't you, see ourselves you know yeah, that's the common yeah. that's a big Others thing too man i can't mm-hmm. see me mm-hmm. i remember you asking me that one night when we were playing volleyball after you'd done that you asked me did i experience you know this burning bush moment and i remember telling you no i didn't but the fact that we don't use anymore and we're okay with that i said if you can't look at that as mm-hmm a spiritual moment then i'm not really sure i mean some people do have this moment where it's like this aha moment. yeah they have that and uh, and i remember i didn't have it either but 
you know, you were talking to me and I was, you know, four years sober. And I'm like, obviously there was a significant spiritual change in me because I couldn't see it, but mm-hmm. it happened. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I did forget that. Let me skip back in the story a little bit. So, you know, early on, uh, you know, I was coming to Brian a lot with, you know, these issues about Carrie and, um, you know, Brian didn't have experience in that, that area. And, you know, one of the cool things about this program is there's always someone out there that has gone through something that you have gone through. And there's, that's the, the coolest part about this fellowship is there's always someone there willing to help. And although it's even Brian, than that is it, you know, it'll tend to like just pop out to, you know, it'll show itself. You don't like have to hunt it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, you don't have to hunt it. It like and, comes to you if you're operating on this deal. Yeah. And so, although, you know, Brian couldn't help me and Brian didn't pretend to, to, to know, to give me, you know, some ex- experience, strength and hope that he didn't have, you know, uh, you know, any direct experience with. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he was able to like say, I, I don't know, but hey, addict, you really can't. Yeah. But guess what? I, I know somebody who can help you. And that's that's where where John comes into play. And so uh, John had gone through a very similar experience. You know what what I had mm-hmm. was going through. And um, John reached out to me and um, and, you know, he was there for me just as much as as Brian was, uh, you know, early on. And, uh, it just, you know, I remember being thinking like, this is, I've never had relationships like this before. These are men who don't know me and they're willing to, to help me, you know, and, you know, I I could call them up at three o'clock in the morning and they'd be there for me. It's just, it blew my mind. Like I wasn't used to to this, I, I, and even today, I, I, I've never had relationships with men like this before. Where you know I could t- talk to him about anything. I could talk to this man and you about anything, and not feeling judged. Yep. It's, it's just really, man. It's magic. It is. It's it is. it's 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 awesome. It's almost like it's a given. I mean, it's like it's just is mm-hmm. you know it's just that way yeah to have this me you know like just to have this me men have my back makes me walk on this confidence level kind of thing where you know that i know i'm gonna be okay mm-hmm. i yeah. just know it yeah you know no matter what i'm gonna run into i got dudes that's gonna help me mm-hmm. i don't have to do this thing on my own anymore no. you don't have to do it on your own and you also don't have to worry about them telling you if it's it's your shit you know, and that was the thing that I liked, yeah. you know, that's your shit, you mm-hmm. know, and they'll tell you that yeah. mm-hmm. not everyone, yeah. you know, they won't co-sign your, you get the oh, truth. Yeah. you know, you they're the going to let you know your part, you get the truth if and you, love around here. Yeah. If you can't see it, I'm going to tell you what you can't see. Mm-hmm. That's everything. You know, I have to have you guys because yeah. of that thing a minute ago. I can't see me. Mm-hmm. I can't see you. That's exactly you right. I can't see, see me. me. You know, he, he helped me see myself last night and right. I, I like sharing something with him and he, you know, and you know, some of us hearing that. You know, my ego wants to get in the way because I'm, you know, super sponsor. And then yeah. every sponsor, say, hey, man, it's not like you're a little bit controlling there to me. You yeah, know, I right. got to step back and look at that now. Whereas before I'd been like, fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, I appreciate that. And I know that he's right. Right. Because I can't see me, but yeah, sponsors help me big time, yeah. man. When I, yeah, this is, and even sometimes it's not direct. Sometimes yeah. it's indirect. They'll say something and it, it, it bell rings on me and I go, yeah. Uh, yeah, I hear you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Looking up at the universe, going, I hear you talking to me. 
the thing I, another thing I like it, and it come to me, and I may if most stuff I stole. I don't know if I, but my I don't can't run my life very well, really. But I have a sponsor who helps guide me and see me, and helps me kind of you know he don't he don't direct my life, but he helps me stay on the path, you know. And if I had that guy, he really can't do much good for himself either. But he's got a guy, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, <laughs> and and that's the way we do this thing, you know. And and then we got a group too, so I got like a point man. Mm-hmm. Then I got this awesome group also, yeah. you know, and damn it, I don't like feel like this walking safe and protected like the book says. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got a posse if I yeah. need it. <laughs> we got roadies. Yeah. So, uh, so, you know, like I said, we finished the steps and, um, and I love the effect that it produced for me. And, uh, and so, um, I wanted to, to, you know, share it with other people. Yeah. I rode the roller coaster. It was fun. I'll get back in line. Yeah. I'm going to do it again. So, um, I, I think I worked the steps, uh, like four times in a matter of like two, three years. And that's, that goes back to that whole thing. Like, uh, you know, I, I have a disease of more, you know, like I love the effect that yeah, I got from working these more steps. Of this. Yeah. So I, I loved, like I, I had learned more about myself in a matter of six months of doing the, the steps than I had in my entire life. And I wanted more of it. And, uh, you know, even to this day, I continue to, to learn more about myself all the time. And, um, so I, I started, uh, working the steps more. I started helping people more. I was, going to uh, the Clark County Jail, taking meetings in there and um, talking to inmates. And, you know, the, you talk about fear, you know, going into jail and, you know, and then having to tell, you know, your story in there and tell these inmates that you've never been arrested, but then to gain the respect because they could identify with me even though I had never been arrested before, like they could still identify with what I was saying. Um, and then, you know, going into the Serenity House and work, and, and I took, after working Patrick W's step study, it had inspired me to want to to run a step study myself. So I did that up at the Serenity House. For those listening to Serenity House, is a local men's recovery center with housing available. Too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, I, I have, I've done, I got to do a lot of really, really cool things, uh, in sobriety. Um, so birthday night, my one year birthday night was a night that I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, first off, it was my one year sobriety and I keep going back to it. It can remember one day just seemed impossible to me and to think i'm i'm after 365 days of doing the deal i get to get stand up in front of my own group and and get a a one-year token um and then i'm standing up there with brian and uh i see um i see my kids and uh and i see carrie out out in the uh the audience and they're like crying i can't tell y'all what what that what that was like for me i mean after six years i mean i still get choked up about it 
And then my dad is standing back there and he's crying. He's thanking everybody in the rooms. It was just a magical moment. Yeah, man. It was, it was awesome. And then my kids coming up to me afterwards and tell me, telling me uh, how much they love me and how proud they are of me. It was just, I'll never forget it. And that, uh, that pretty much drives, drives me every day. So, um, so yeah, I mean, so many cool things have happened in my, in, in these last, you know, six years. And, uh, when did the uh, kids and Carrie come back? Yeah. So I skipped that big part. It was, uh, it was right out a year, uh, right about a year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, like I said, my uh, sobriety date is on the 18th of January, and I think we went on our uh, the first date uh, right after the new year. Um, so, of you know, right before my one you year. You started dating again. Yeah we, we, yeah, we started talking again. We went on our first date. We went out to dinner one night yep. and uh, just kind of took things slow. But her and the kids came to my one year. That's very cool. So they weren't back when they come. They weren't technically. I mean, y'all were rekindling. Right. But it wasn't back together. To yeah, it wasn't, nothing was official yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's magic about that also is, uh, you know, one of the aspects of what uh, uh, his sponsor, Brian, had him come to me with was a lot of the issues that he was having with Carrie. And, and uh, I, I can't tell you how much anger and resentment and almost uh, almost like bordering on just hate almost, Mm -hmm. you know, um, that he was dealing with, with Carrie. And that's the thing that I just, I, I, anybody that ever comes to me and they tell me that something's finished and done Mm -hmm. and it's over, I I don't, I don't accept that. And I don't believe, I don't believe anything's permanent uh, aside from death, because if you would have heard the conversations I had with John, um, in, in regards to his relationship with Carrie, that thing was never ever going to be again Mm -hmm. and that's the thing that just it literally makes goosebumps on the back of my neck come up hearing that and then seeing that moment you know Mm -hmm. of watching that thing come back and and it's powerful you know 12 steps god there's there's nothing honestly i don't care what you have done it can be overcome. Yeah, I and, truly and, believe that. Now. And it can, and and you'll never. I, I won't listen to anybody that said if you use the word always or never. Those are two words that yeah. I'm not going to listen to anymore yeah. because I. How many times you know have you seen it? Yep. Uh, and you seen it? The both impossible of, we've all happens seen here. It. The impossible's happened in my life. Yeah, yeah. I've so um, it you know, watching that and uh, yeah, it's it's not it's not over. It's not done. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, if you if you would have, uh, I, I mean, I would have put a million dollars on the table that said we were never getting back together. I, and, and it's funny is when he's telling me all this, you know, he's telling those things to me, and I'm like sitting there thinking, you know, it's funny that we can just listen too, mm-hmm. and and we know. Well, you know, once you start accepting the fact that there is a higher power than you, it'll be done when he says it's done, mm-hmm. not necessarily when you say it's done. Yeah. It's really tough with uh, working with new people and they're they're yeah. having their problems, you know, and yeah. and yeah, you, you know, I have to have I have not had to I have that faith that things will work out the way they're supposed to. Now they may not work out the way you want them to or I want them to, but it's going to work out. Yeah, mm-hmm. it will, uh, and you'll be okay with it. Yeah, and you'll be okay with it, however it works out, and that's yeah. the amazing part. 
And I don't yeah. have to run around with all that anymore. You know, that's a big thing. You know, all that. You know, I just don't worry about shit much anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm not invin- You know, I'm not invincible to that. I'm not saying I never, but I, but I just don't carry that kind of energy anymore. Mm-hmm. That oh my god, oh what if this happens? What if that happens? Right. Oh, this is coming up. I need to sweat it. Uh, and you know, and, and the thing is, is, is we have tools for when things come up. Yep. And uh, you know, we've got a spiritual toolkit now, and I mean, there's a solution for. For everything in, in that book. And uh, that's Take another. my difficulties. Yeah. So that victory over them will bear witness to others. So, um, you know, I, I just feel like AA, <clears throat> the 12 steps, um, my recovery has been a huge gift. Like, I, I can't say enough things about it. Um, I feel truly blessed, truly blessed. Um, and so, um, you know, because of because of this program, <clears throat> they, you know, Carrie and I ended up getting married. Yep. Uh, had a had a beautiful wedding in in, the, in South Carolina on the beach, kind of deal, right? Yeah. Well, it wasn't right well, on the beach, but, I mean, but cl- a- yeah. And um, and uh, we had our kids there with us, and everything was beautiful. And uh, I've got a, a huge promotion at work. Um, they they trust me enough today to they send me home with a. Uh, a company vehicle to they trust me enough to manage a whole department um it just <laughs> the things that this program has given me is just if if you would have told me what not I, I came in here on the first day that these things were going to happen in my life i wouldn't have believed you yep over and over again we sit here <clears> and everybody <throat> sits across from this table and i hear that you know that 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 cliche kind of thing that if they'd written a script, mm-hmm. what they wanted, they would have sold themselves way short. Exactly. So I, I can honestly say that today, you know, um, I'm I'm a I'm a happy man. Uh, I don't really have a whole lot of complaints. Um, ex- awesome family. It, yeah, uh, I love your wife and kids. Um, I would say my I don't see enough of them. My only complaint would be that you know I don't get to get to the meetings that I like that I used to. Mm. Um, but you know, like I'm I'm giving back in other ways. Like I'm able to be a father today. <clears throat> I'm able to coach my son in baseball and coach my daughter in basketball, and those are things that I swore that I would never do um, because I didn't feel like I had anything to, to offer. Um, and this program has given me the confidence to do those sort of things. Um, and, you know, and I remember you saying, Dan, uh, that, um, you know, something along the lines of, uh, you know, in order, in order for you to do something else, you'd have to give something else up. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, and being a yes to one thing means you gotta be a no to something else. And so like, uh, I just, my my wife and kids come first in my life today um and uh, just there i mean people out there that have kids that are in sports and things going on at school it's just like it's it's never ending yeah it's busy 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 and so like it it, my meetings have have taken a back seat uh, and i still do talk with my sponsor on a very regular basis we're, we've been doing uh, taking meetings to, to Darren on Wednesday evenings, um, which has been awesome because uh, it's been real intimate, uh, which is cool and raw. 
Very raw. Yeah. Very yeah. much where we share pretty much everything. That Talking can be to the point like where we're like belly laughing. Yeah. Like laughing hysterically. Yeah. Which has been a huge benefit for uh uh for Darren. Yeah. You know, to bring some uh some levity and some you know, and some happiness into what's what most people would find to be a very yeah down situation. Yeah, there is a remove my difficulties moment too. Is Darren. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go there. And exactly. he's not in a self pity mode. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, gets him out of his self. Yep. Yeah. And gives him a chance to participate in his own recovery because, you know, we look to him for a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's able to, to, to give us what we need when we're there as well as what we're giving to him. And, you know, you talked about, you know, uh, sometimes you're, you know, sometimes your lack of meetings or lack of being able to participate and give back to AA is. You are giving back because, you know, your family, you know, your wife and your children, they need that dad. Mm-hmm. They need the dad that you are now. Yeah. And and believe me, you are pumping into them everything that they have to have so that they don't end up growing up being spiritually sick. Mm-hmm. And they learn and they're picking up your tools that you're handing down to them as they see how you react to to things. Right. So you're not. We, we, we discount the world thing, man. Yeah. If you look at it at a really deep level, you know, we talked earlier about getting these faulty teachings as we were growing mm-hmm. up. Well, what we get to do when you get to operate in these principles, you don't take those faulty teachings into the next generation. You don't pass them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You know? And that is, that's world changing shit. If we, you know, and that's, that's the whole meaning behind the TSSR whole thing about getting other people that are not necessarily addict alcoholic, uh, a set to of tools. Yes. That that work, you know, and I'm not saying this is the only set of tools to work, right? No, I'm not saying everybody in the world ought to do 12 step and work on this program. Although uh, that might be a good idea, uh, I'm not saying that because I'm not. Anybody. That's that's getting beyond my deal. But this is a set of principles that work, mm-hmm. and if you want to apply them, I can promise you that you'll be happy that you did. Nobody does the 12 steps and go fuck. I wish I hadn't done that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that. No, that's. So yeah, that's that's what that's what really moves me more than anything. Because I say, you know, there's a, it's cool that this old forty-five-year-old dude broke, and y'all fixed me, you know. But the bigger thing is, is that those two kids that live in that house, yeah, have somebody not, no longer passing on, mm-hmm. passing on his pain. spiritual sickness to them. hurt people, hurt people. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, truly is a design for living. And and you know, you're teaching your daughter what to look at for in a future man. You're teaching your son what it means to be a man yep. and, 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 a, and a man that, you know, is living his life in a spiritual means. They learn. They're watching you just as we learn from our parents. Yep. It's we're learning you from you. demonstrate, you know, mm-hmm. and yep. the words don't mean too much. It's what are you doing? Your actions. And they mm-hmm. see it every day. And that's more important Huge. than just about anything. We do. A, we break I can't wait to watch, you know. Yeah. I can't wait to watch the because I haven't been around long enough that they, that I actually get to to to. to, to for that to manifest. But like, I have faith that if I can continue to do what I'm doing, I'm going to continue to get what I'm getting. Exactly. You know, that works both ways, right? Yes. Back in the old days that work, continue to do what you're doing. You're going to get what you're getting. <laughs> yes. But today it works this way too. Yeah. Continue to do this. If, if, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so to watch it, what I want to see, what I would say is I don't want to get too ahead of myself on that, but I believe that I'm going to carry on with this recovery. It's way too fucking good to be like, yeah. it's just, I believe it too. I believe, I believe it too. Oh, don't say I'm invincible to it. No, I'm I still not invincible, have to treat but I, my disease. In my heart, I believe it. As long as I keep doing. But what I want, where I'm getting to, is to watch people's kids as they actually mature, and to see that fruit 
of that labor later on down the road. That, mm-hmm. I, I look forward to that. Yeah. I see my kids operating on a different level, and even though not necessarily are they like following my path kind of thing to some extent, I see the effect in how they operate today. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll do cool stuff. My daughter will tell me shit that I can't believe she'd tell me. Yeah. Just, hey, Dad. And I know if I wasn't doing this, she wouldn't be communicating with me at that level. That's I'm right. Value that communication. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool stuff. Yeah. So uh, you're to the like the what what's like now? You've talked a little bit about some cool juice mm-hmm. uh, on things. Um, I was trying to think. I I seem to recall a couple other events that happened for you that you'd shared juice on. Mm. I'm losing them. Uh, I've taught myself how to play chess. Did you? Yeah, yeah. So if anybody out there listening. Uh, uh, if anybody wants to play me some chess, there's an online app uh, ah. that we, we can play each other. I was laid up with it. Yeah. I, I, I taught myself uh, about two years ago. Um, one of the things I wanted to teach, you know, learn how to do. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm, I love playing. Uh, it's, you know, has also become a very good volleyball player in sobriety. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. You keep yourself in shape. Uh, I do. Yeah. I've always, I've always enjoyed working out. Yep. Did yeah. you do that before recovery? Yeah. Yep. I, I started working out. Uh, I can't imagine about, working out when I, back when I was sick. Of course I got uh, my metabolism stuff. Wasn't something that made me where, you know, my, my genetics didn't like push me to go, you know, I didn't have the, Oh, I'm getting fat. Right. I really need to do something. Thing. Mm-hmm. I've been pretty blessed in that department, but back in the, I would try to work out when I was using this stuff. And I could never sustain anything. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've always enjoyed working out. I started, I guess, back in high school. And I've always, that's one of the things I've always Probably stuck come out with. the baseball thing? Yeah, it started uh, for Sports baseball. Sports kitchen, and, and, uh, conditioning and things like that. But, and but out. I've always loved to eat, too. And so as I've gotten older, you know, it's harder for us to, to lose that weight. Yeah, you shifted and, over that. You've, you've tipped the scale onto that. I remember my metabolism changing. Yeah. And, and, it and so it's, it, it's gotten to be harder doing. to to lose weight oh, he'll strap a 20 30 pound pack on his back and go uh go do a four mile five mile hike and he'll do it by himself yeah which I amazes me he'll yeah. go up to red river gorge all by himself i hope like a day trip and 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 yeah that I, is I did, amazing I did 12 miles that. this past summer by yeah. myself up there that's cool and um when he called me last night you know what he was doing walking hiking outside you know yeah and i'm like what is all that noise he goes, oh there's cars coming by i'm like what are you doing as i'm walking i'm nervous Vlad he was goes nervous the, about this. Vlad goes to the gorge all the time. Actually, yeah. he had a little backpacking trip this on New Year's Eve. That's where he spent it, and he invited that's some cool. people to go. And he's, he does a little meditation out there on one of them fucking rocks. And that's awesome. Dave Dogman went, and he a couple of his sponsees, and they had a little group. And he's still wanting like see if guys that are into that. Because Vlad went on a two hundred mile hike, and he did. He didn't make it, you know, because of yeah. the weather and the conditions stuff. Safety would. Uh, call daddy comes down and and not go out there and get hurt uh but i so i end up buying a back nice backpack too off of his advice you know and i want to start doing that mm-hmm. i want to i want to i want to like to do some overnighter trips like to the we gorge with the backpack make a plan yeah. And yeah. Red River gorge yeah might be uh you know i always like i had a couple guys over the holidays that tried to get some things together with our group you know and they can't make it happen uh, somehow or another, it's another gift I've had. That, you know, I can like make a call out to people, and people will do the shit that I. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say, hey, let's do this, and people will do it. And maybe, maybe I should do that and 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 organize a 
overnight or a weekend or something of uh, folks that would like to go backpacking and mm-hmm. uh, probably be cool. better if the weather's medium, mm-hmm. you know, either spring or fall. Yeah. Yeah, the, supposedly there's a uh, the Knobstone Trail is supposed uh-huh. to be a good one to go I've backpacking on. I've oh, you have it. done yeah, that? I did that while I was in Scouts. Uh, we we hiked the entire Knobstone Trail, not on one thing. We did it nice. in chunks, but I think it's 60-something 60, 60 miles or something. I nice. Think. I can't remember exactly. It's nice, but it's not the gorge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not, The gorge is the gorge, man. There's mm-hmm. really nothing around here that's quite like that. Yeah. Yeah, I feel me and the kids went down this summer, uh, like on spring, or I think it was maybe spring break, and I rented one of them cabins down there. The tree houses? Uh, no, no, I didn't rent a tree house. Just a regular. It was just a home. Yeah. Uh, and they each took a friend, and we went screwed around. Cool. Man. And you know, as close as it is, I was actually embarrassed. I know. I, I know. That was the first time I'd been there. I was John took me the first time I went. You know, and I'm thinking, this what is like two hours this away. This is down, just yeah. down here, man. Yeah, with the yeah, swimming hole that's right there at the bottom. I couldn't believe that. Yeah. Uh, and how much of it? Dang, man. I know. It's a lot of acres. And, yeah. Um, really really entices me. It's beautiful country. Mm-hmm. If you haven't been to Red River Gorge, you need to do that. For sure. Yeah. Well, man, I'm... I, There's I think a sigh I, right there. Yeah, I, think I heard I, it. I think I've pretty I much all talked out. We're two hours and eight minutes. You got an awesome story, man. Well done. Thank you. I, uh, I enjoyed this. Good. Yeah, for I sure. I got some energy with you, something. And I've always had it, you know. And I just enjoy being in your presence. And, mm-hmm. and I have since the moment you walked up to me and asked me that juice thing. I've just always uh, felt a connection. Yeah. Something. Uh, don't, can't put it in words. Mm-hmm. But, I agree. Uh, I agree. And I, I feel truly grateful that I've gotten to know you and that you've you know, allowed me to come on, on here and, and, you know, do this podcast. And this has been a, a I'd cool, asked you quite cool, a while back. Yeah. You, know? you actually, I think it was last year on our, on birthday night. Yeah. You, you asked me. Um, so just, I don't, you know, what I want here is willing participants, you know? And so I throw it out there and, and if you really don't bite, I don't, I don't really push, you know, that's not what I'm looking to do. I'm looking for people who are volunteering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I invite and yeah, awesome I'm glad experience. you came, man. Yeah, uh, and it's fun. It juices me up to sit here and do this. Yeah. And yeah. I'm glad you, John, the other John's here, man. I, I really, I really, I said it earlier, but I really dig the energy of the three of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, hell, I could probably sit here all day and jaw jack about. I do think stuff. I do think we could sit around and talk for four more hours easily. Yeah. I mean, it just I think we've always been that way. Even when we first met at the cabin during the convention, it was just easy. Yeah, really easy to talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Feel safe, you know. Yeah. That's a, that's one of the that's one of the elements of this brotherhood we have. I feel safe with you guys. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Yeah. So, guy, what I always do, I stole this. I love, I love Joe Rogan. My second favorite podcaster that like probably drives me, you uh, know, and I admire is a guy named Steve Ranella. Very few people know hearing because he does a hunting, uh, a very unique angle that gels with me on hunting and uh he says concluders and so he says all right let's get out to concluders you got any concluders any final thoughts anything you want to say i'd say um just for anyone new out there just get in the middle of the boat just you know uh get in with everybody uh go to meetings uh just do what what they stick with the winners and do what they do that's what i would say yeah man yeah, and these steps are these steps are powerful, 
powerful tool, man. Yep. You, you just do you do what the winners say, and you're going to get what the winners get. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I like that. Uh, that's the same guy that said everything about the. I was my best uh, customer the first week, and I was my only customer the second. I also stole from him that line that says, uh, this is not a program of some get it and some don't. Mm-hmm. This is a program of some do it and some don't. Mm-hmm. You well do said. it, yeah. you'll get it. This is true. That's awesome. why I know all three of those number ones out on that table are going to get give out this one. Yeah. I can make them in advance. Because I talking saw about those this, guys do the work. This yes, coming yeah. month? We have yeah. three one years Three one month. years. Which nice. makes for the birth, the best birthday. Yeah, and, you, and I look oh, down yeah. through it, man, and I mean, it's like, well, I think one month we got four. Yeah. I love. I'm going to fall back to just making ones. Yeah. Unless somebody <laughs> orders it and wants it. <laughs> well, I'm going to. Because I can't keep up. Yeah. You know? I mean, I there's 10 birthdays a month. And, that meeting uh, has grown with so many celebrations. Yeah. You almost have a full-time job making yeah. I feel like a commitment to it, you know. Yeah. It, was, it kind of took the joy out of it yeah. in a way. Of yeah. Like, I like giving them away, but I'm going to keep doing ones. And I make your one, too. I don't like stockpile them. That's what Dawn asked me yesterday. Your one is made with your, on your intention. Well, I'm going to have you make, uh, you know, you for the last. I, oh, you wanted you. Did I get you one for last year? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I came by here and got it. Yeah, and, so. uh But, yeah, so I'm going to get have you make it six. I, I like to put them on my desk. Yeah. For and you like the see. coins. Yeah. The yeah. round ones, the I, I can't tell you how many people has come in my office and been like, yeah, it kind of what, shifted what, what is these that? things. I was making, you know, for a long time, I made those look like a coin off a slice of a tree. Right. And uh, and then I shifted to making uh, those numerals instead. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. If you want that, I will absolutely make you one, man. Good deal, man. Hell yeah. John C., you got some final thoughts, concluders? Well, if you're, if you're listening... I can just tell you one thing. It's uh, it's more than uh, a story. It's uh, it becomes a um, you know a design for living. And if there's anything that I've ever learned more than anything, is I've gotten more in tune with myself over the course of the last ten years. And when you start to learn who you are, why you are, it'll make you want to dig deeper and deeper and deeper, uh, and and work. And I think that's what uh, Dan hit on early on about TSSR. It's really trying to get you connected with uh, why are you that way? And then how can I go about repairing that, fixing that, taking away uh, who robbed me and who created what they created? And every year in recovery, I get closer and closer to knowing myself and the better I know myself, the better I know how to treat myself. And, and the more I know how to continue recovering. It's, it's more than just being sober. It's about uh, joy, happiness, freedom, and, and being good when you look in the mirror at yourself. And I can tell you right now, more so than anything, when I look in the mirror at myself, I'm good with me. And, uh, and all I ever wanted in the beginning was just to quit drinking. And it's so much more. Mm-hmm. So much more. So much more than just stopping drinking and drinking. Oh, yeah. Complete new way to live. Completely changed the trajectory of my entire life. I mean, I am so different. It is unreal. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I got people who don't physically recognize me that used to know me. (laughs) You know, they don't even recognize me anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, thank both of you all for being here. Uh, I am going to read something that uh, my buddy Marshall, you don't know Marshall? 
I think believe he, so. he comes to the spiritual underground pretty regular basis. He's he's invested. He pushed all his chips to the middle of the table. Really cool dude. He's probably my very. He's the. I would just say it. He's this podcast super fan. He can come back and quote things that I've said months ago on the podcast or he's stories. Listening. He's mm-hmm. listening and it's going in. Plus, he gives me, and I really appreciate this, he gives me really good feedback. Mm-hmm. He will give me a text and I've uh, opened up the door, you know, and said, you know, I'm, I'm the negative, you know, the positive is good and I really like the pats on the back and everything. They don't really help me much. I need to know what's wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. yeah. uh, so that I can make those things. So I really appreciate it and I'll just say that publicly and he'll hear this. That uh, he uh, he's helping me make this thing better by giving me yeah. feedback, and you can accept that. Today. Yeah, actually, yeah, I, yeah, and I encourage it. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't get better. I, I can't see me. Right. <laughs> I need you to see me, and I mm-hmm. need you to tell me. Uh, I'll give a little story. You know, not too long ago, I had these friends supporting me really well. You know, on this particular thing I was doing. Well, I, the whole thing went 180 degrees. And everybody supported me 100%. And I had it in my head that I needed to be doing this because they were, you know, that's what they were supporting. You know what I mean? And when I totally changed, and I'm like, I don't know if it's really a good thing that y'all are supporting me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unconditionally. But the element of fact that they were also was, you know, just grabbed me. Because it's like, it don't matter what I do. It don't matter. They still got my back. Mm-hmm. So no matter what club. So no Marshall what sent club. me. So Marshall sent me this little thing, and he was reading the spirituality of imperfection by Ernest Kurtz. Have you read it? Mm-mm. You need to put it on your list. Get it on the audio book, whatever your deal is. Uh, so he sent me this. He said it struck him because he said it sounds like the podcast. The language of recovery that is storytelling involves not dogma or commandment. Not things to be done or truths to be believed. Not theory, conjecture, argument, analysis, or explanation. But a way of conversation shared by those who accept and identify with their own imperfection. I like that a lot. I do too. What was the name of that uh, book? The Spirituality of Imperfection. I can even send this quote to you if you want. Just uh, Yeah. Spirituality way. of Imperfection? Mm-hmm. I won't do that. Something up. Uh, so we will close this thing up like we always do. <sighs> you can hear it in here. If you're not having a blast in your recovery, it's your own damn fault. And thank you all for allowing me to participate in my recovery in this manner today. Peace out. Even before you knew you were meant for something much more than this broken world. They pushed on you Shot down cause you wouldn't conceive I ain't to the ship that said to believe Always felt there was something else you came to do Now the new age is dawning Finding that you have so much to say Follow your heart, believe in your strength, hold on to your
again.